is. Oh my god. Where on though? Oh, Robbie, you want me to put Robbie Williams? Hello everyone and welcome to Down the Robbie Hole, the podcast where we find out just why Robbie Williams is the strangest figure in British pop music. I'm Matthew. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan. And today we'll be looking at his 11th studio album and his 9th non-swing studio album, The Heavy Entertainment Show from 2016. Now, the thing about this podcast is me and John, we can look into the background of the albums, look into the context, the making of it, the antics that Robbie was up to at the time, but Nathan can only listen to the music, watch the videos and read the lyrics. I'm so impressed that you've done that intro in one take, pretty much. Like, it never happens. Thank it's, you. It's a genuine moment. Uh, I'm sure he also, you know, wrote and recorded this whole album in eight minutes <laughs> and did it in one take. Yeah, recorded it like, he came up with it on the spot. It yeah. took 40 minutes to record. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he claims that, at least. But let's, let's not get into my yeah, weird underlying anger about that lie that every did artist tells. Brian Wilson wrote, uh, God only knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... Is there a preamble we should go for here? I don't think so. No, I don't really have anything. Okay, well, so what you're saying is we should we should go to the heavy entertainment yeah. show. Let's go straight to cover talk. Uh, uh, you go. I think it's a. Uh, the lighting on the cover is so prestige. Oh yes! <laughs> oh yes! Is it the actual album or is it like an album? This, no, this is the deluxe edition of the album. Wait, did you own this before? Did you no, I bought it? it for this specifically for this podcast. Well, John's brought the CD with him. Uh, yeah, there's. it has a DVD with it that has documentaries in it that I'm not sure you can get online. So uh, I want that. And then there is something else which I'll point out in a second. Again, just just build a network. That'll be fun to film, yeah. mate. But, so for me, the thing that kind of applies to a lot of this album is that I, I, I feel like I've developed a kind of Stockholm Syndrome with it. Whereas since we started this podcast, this has been the album that kind of fascinated me the most. It's, it's, so I've kind of drip fed myself, myself stuff from it over the you know year it's been since we started recording. <laughs> so stuff that I started off disliking, I feel like I've kind of been trapped into liking. Yeah, you know what? And the cover it has the co- a feel of that. I already feel yeah. like I've, I've so like I only listened to the album once, but I've listened to the Heavy Entertainment Show four or five times yeah, now. Time and yeah, I do find myself weirdly being like held at knife point and be like, <laughs> you have to like it. You have to. But yeah, the cover is one of those things where, well, like, when I first saw it, I thought, well, it's overly digital, it's, like, fairly yeah. gar- garish, the lighting, but now I kind of, I don't mind it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's... You should see the twinkle in his eyes, he looked at the album and says it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Can I have a look at that, he's John? Gonna give to... him, he's going to give him yeah. a 10 out of 10. See if there's album. anything interesting you notice about it. Okay, well, one thing I do like is... As like I said, I think the lighting is very. It feels very prestige TV in a yeah. not great way. But I think the bokeh, like the blurred background of like the, because to explain what it is, it's two Robbies looking at each other and they're about to get into a boxing match and it's got like a boxing microphone hanging from the ceiling and a referee in the background sort of about to start the fight. Currently taken on the set of the Heavy Entertainment Show video, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the blurred background where it's got this sort of referee sort of looking like okay, what's well, about to start and the microphone hanging. I think that looks great, but um. Yeah, it's two Robbies looking at each other. I can't see anything yet that stands out to me as something to notice. Look at the title specifically. Heavy Entertainment Show. It doesn't have a the. So on the press tour for this album, 
Robbie starts noticing that a lot of interviews aren't, they're dropping the the, they're just calling it heavy entertainment show. And it, it, it kind of, it makes him cringe every time it happens. And so he tells his team, like, I don't know why they're not having the the, and his team are like, it's called the heavy entertainment show. They didn't realize that he wanted the the on the album. So they'd already sent a lot of CDs to print just under the name heavy entertainment show under an incorrect title. Um, and they ask him, like, how big a deal is it? Do you want this change? He said, if possible, yeah. So they managed to, all the standard CD versions, they managed to reprint and get it done with the Heavy Entertainment Show. But all the deluxe versions of the album just say Heavy Entertainment Show. Wow. Uh, I mean, I think it's cleaner. Thanks, everyone. We got our weekly social network reference. <laughs> it really is crazy how much we do reference, and it's the same reference every time. Yeah. Like, well, it's not like we reference something else. You know, it's, not, it's not an episode where we just go Winkleboss in. Wardo. Like, <laughs> it's always the the we have to reference. But yeah, I think it's way better with the the. I think it's so much better with the, the heavy entertainment show. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, this title um, should we bring it up here? Because I feel like, or does it come uh, into what you're doing? No, there's. I mean, there's a quote from him kind of talking about the title we can mention here. We're also worth pointing out he does use the phrase heavy entertainment in an earlier song. I can't remember what it is but we could it's mention on it reality. Briefly. Yeah. Um, but So he says about the title, I grew up in a time when light entertainment was king. I wanted to do some heavy entertainment. I wanted to do light entertainment but on steroids. So it's a play on me taking the piss out of light entertainment but in a loving way. I can really see that coming across in the album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing I was going to talk about was, I mean, it's going to come up in the Under the Radar thing, mm-hmm. but he has a track on uh, an earlier Under the Radar yes. album called H.E.S. And we'll get onto that on the episode about, you know, obviously we know what that stands for, but it's interesting that he's used that exact phrase as the title of a track. Yeah, before. it seems like something he really must like. He's come up with one good idea and he's <laughs> like, I'll use it six times. <laughs> His next album's going to be called The Heavy Entertainment Show LP2. <laughs> thank you very much for that, John. The Heavier Entertainment Show. <laughs> he's going to do. He's going to have a Team Fortress 2 tie-in hat. So here's the question. The hev- what's, he- okay. what's heavier? A kilogram of steel? Or a kilogram of Robbie Williams CDs? Well, one can be used to pave roads in China. <laughs> That's right. It's a kilogram of steel. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it really is that I'm joking that makes it. <laughs> I'm joking. It's the way he doesn't quite believe on his own face. Oh man, so good. But um, yeah. So any thoughts on the cover and everything? Yeah, I think we've spoken enough about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I don't have any particular dislikings or likings. I yeah. It exists. I also feel like it's one of the Robbie album covers that feels secondary to the music. Like, it doesn't colour my thoughts on the album at all. No, the album I agree itself, We'll get into it, but the album itself is... <laughs> it's quite... It's too large for an album cover to define it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the title track, Should... the first one. The Heavy Entertainment yeah. Show. So if I could just quickly read off the opening lines. Good evening, children of cultural abandon. You search for a saviour, well, here I am. And all the best ones are dying off so quickly while I'm still here and join me where I can. Uh, I think that's an incredibly baller way to open an album. Yeah, I actually really I actually really like that first verse. Yeah. Is he is this sort of the time where people started like talking about how like the twenty seven club or something was real? Is twenty seven? No, uh, the actual thing about this was because this album came out in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Which was kind of the first year that major celebrity deaths were happening, kind of on a widespread thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think this line is specifically 
a reference to Bowie, and there is some kind of Bowie stuff we can talk about in a second. <laughs> They're not playing on the same uh, level, are they? <laughs> just, let's just slip that in quickly. So he's taken the first line of his album to just flex on Ronnie Corbett for still being alive. <laughs> That's what he's doing here. I, I agree, it is like a baller way to open the album. This entire track is such a baller yeah. way to open the album. Yeah. It, it's a it's a perfect Robbie Williams song. It it's is. like everything you want from a song. <laughs> Honestly, what I mean, like it, what I mean by like I'm being held at knife point and told I have to like is exactly that. Like it, it goes against every single conventional thing you should like about a piece of music, but you still come away and go like he did tell me he was gonna strip and I'm the pole, so <laughs> like that chorus, like it's He's literally doing Welcome to the Black Parade, is what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> that chorus where he's like, Welcome to the heavy entertainment show, I'm a volcano that's about to blow, and all the various lyrics. Yeah. He, like, it's just the tip and no one will know. Yeah, that's that so good. perfectly Robbie Outrageous. Yeah. I know we're not doing the video, but because we're talking about the lyrics, I have to. In the video, when he says, I'm about to strip and you're the pole, which is my favourite line. Okay, it's so fucking funny. He, like, looks down the camera, like, points at his shoulders, like, I'm about to strip, and then, like, points his hands, like, flicks his hands down to say clothes are coming off, and then continues to look down the camera and goes, and he points and goes, and you're the pole, and then thrusts his hips at you. It's immense, right? It is so fucking weird, and I love it. It's like, what we have here is a perfect synthesis of Robbie's affection for 1960s big band sounds, yeah, his own yeah. massive arrogance in lyrics, and his own sexual weirdness at points, into this insane fireball of charisma to open the album. It really is like everything built into one. Like and when you get to the point where a choir of woman belts out, he will sell his children for a hit in Belgium. You yeah. realise you've crossed over into Maximum Robbie. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. Robbie 2.0. This yeah. is full Robbie. A hundred percent. It's such a weird sound as well. Like, there are so many points this album where, like, I, I I was trying to think of how I could describe this this morning, like before the episode, and like my music vocabulary no longer knows how to describe <laughs> it or deal with it. Like, I think that'll come out more in the next song. Like, I, I just physically no longer have the ability as a person to describe what is going on in, in, in a cohesive way. Like, quite often we'll say things like, "Oh, this kind of reminds me of this," or "This was playing off things of the time," and it's like. This this wasn't. This just <laughs> it just isn't playing off things of the time in the places I'm thinking of at least. It, like, it's pure Robbie Williams. That's the thing. Yeah. It's the first time where it feels like Robbie's carved out his own weird thing, and it yeah. works so good. I yeah. love it. Yeah, you are right. I mean, because like things before have been very Robbie, but I always feel like they're kind of borrowing another person's sound. Like we've spoken about, like a lot of the early stuff's Brit poppy, and then. You know, the middle stuff's more like pop of the time and then rude boxes, rude box. And then, you know, it's it's and then like obviously like reality is a bit safer and again, you know, uses a lot of particular like horns and stuff like that. Trevor horns. Hey. Um and then what's the next album? I forgot the name of Take it. the Crown. Take the Crown. Again, very specific in that incredibly like light pop, like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, like everything's gonna be really upbeat all the time sort of vibe. Like what what is I, 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 I mean, this, I just don't know what's going on anymore. It feels like it's something taken from a musical. Because yeah. Because it's so specifically... It, it's not like it's telling a story, but it just feels so odd structurally. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a really, like, important... Yeah, that's, like, exactly it. Like, it does feel like it could have come from a musical. Well, like, I think maybe maybe part of what contributes to that is I think it's very clearly designed to be a opener for his live shows as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it does become... He moves Let Me Entertain You to the second track, and this becomes his new opening track. 
And mm. I love that. Like, he's realised this is it. This yeah, is the big it, one it now. really... That's such a... You've kind of blown me away with that. Like, that. It, it, this is definitely the opening of a musical. Like, a, like a, yeah, I think it would really work. I just realised, like, both Let Me Entertain You and The Heavy Entertainment Show have entertainment in their titles, and they both feel like a perfect summary of Robbie Williams. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that says a lot. But, like, I'm really imagining this musical now. i got, like... I guess... I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe... I, I guess in my head it's... I, I don't want to say, like... I, I kind of see, like... Not too much, but sort of like a a weird sort of bad copy of, like, Burton stuff. Like, his good stuff, though. Like, you know, in the early... Like, I see, like, weird sort of, like, distorted, like, things. And, yeah, no, I think I, we're going to write this musical, basically, is what I'm saying. Robbie and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, legit. I do see, like, kind of, like, spinny, like, you know, like, colours like that. Like, Danny yeah. Elfman kind of. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually. You know, can you see what the vision yeah. I'm trying to paint here? Yeah, I'm glad someone's agreeing with me. It's hard when you say things like that and everyone looks at you like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Another thing about this, like with regards to the whole stadium thing, is, and I think this carries over to the rest of the album too, it's like he's realised, I am a really good stadium entertainer. I can have the crowd in the palm of my hand. I am going to go all in on that. It's mm-hmm. like he's really realised his strengths and he's playing to them 100%. Yeah, yeah. Again, I spoke about this in the first episode before I knew anything about Robbie, like, I had, like, a, a narrative in my mind that was kind of him, like, a very good performer, maybe, like, not the best writer or, or singer or anything, which I disagree with now. I think he's yeah. actually quite a good singer. <laughs> I think it, it places he's written some good stuff. Um, I guess the writing would be as weaker of his skills, but that doesn't mean he's bad at it. Um, but, yeah, like, he's, he's still a fantastic entertainer. I get last night before we preparing for this episode, and I'm going to watch it later, I really, really wanted to watch the Heavy Entertainment Show Brit performance. Like, I really wanted to watch it because I just don't ever get to see him live. So I wanted to see it. But yeah, I'll get to that at the end of this we'll. episode. Um, another thing about this is that uh, I think we should talk about the structure like for the audience. So it goes from a very Guy Chambersy piano kind of thing to this gigantic chorus that has this amazing brass horn line. Yeah. And that is actually a sample. Oh, is it? So yeah, the chorus horns are sampled from a Serge Gansborg track from the 60s called... Might be the 70s. From a Serge Gainsbourg track called Je n'avais qu'une seule moualité. That felt about right, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. You put on that terrible Br- British French accent as well, which is my favourite thing. Ah, uh, it's a this, this is so off topic. Have you guys ever seen uh, there was a footballer like, playing in France and like he was given a press conference in, in French, but he can't speak French, so he just spoke in English but spoke in a French accent? <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's how I say. Uh, a little bit, uh, <laughs> like, literally, it's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's so weird. That's beautiful. But, um, so that, uh, that introduced me to that Serge Gansberg track, and the title translates to I Only Had One Word to Say to Her, and it's from a film soundtrack. It's such a good track. I can't recommend it enough. Okay. It has a different, like, the only part that Robbie takes this sort of horn thing, the entire rest of the track's yeah. very different. But it's perfect French sleaziness. Yeah. And I think that really comes across in the chorus of the Heavy Entertainment is, Show. Is Guy back in production? Uh, think, not everywhere. Not everywhere, okay. But he's, he's like contributing to writing and producing on some of the tracks, some or not. But this is a track that's co-written with Guy and actually Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, who uh, makes Chris, it come back later. Chris Heath is on this one. Oh yeah, one. and Chris. Yeah, it's worth pointing out, this is the first non-swing album that Chambers is back on. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's why I was trying to get at. Yeah. Doesn't he have one track on reality? But that's only that's, because yeah, it's it from... an older track. Oh, yes, older track. That's, that's why yeah. he's on it. Okay. Yeah. But uh, this is 
this is just dumbass good. Yeah. It's yeah. really, really good. And it, it also feels like the first time a Robbie Williams album is good. It's not the most structured album in the sense of like being a concept album or anything, but it feels like, okay, this is the album opener. And then as we'll get on it, you know, yeah. results yeah. in a way. Should, uh, we, should we do a video? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so this was the fourth single from the album, uh, 20th of April 2017 it came out, and the album itself came out on the 4th of November 2016. Uh, again, you know, post-album singles are very, very dead at this point, so it didn't chart at all. Yeah. I think to be fair, like, this, it, it's like the thing we had with that track off the last one, where it was, um, oh man, I can't remember the track, but there was a single from the last one where we were like, I don't know what you'd do with it, mm-hmm. and this, as a single, I think is a strange choice because yeah. Yeah. It, it needs to be the opener for the album like that's yeah, the context it, it works basically. it's still great it's still you can yeah. listen to it on its own but it's just not a single yeah yeah. I mean it's good because we've seen him before put things at number one on his album that he shouldn't be releasing as singles that have killed him so yeah it's definitely this is not this is not single I don't what did he release single number one we'll get to it we'll get to it <laughs> but so the video for Heavy Entertainment Show is it's basically you know taking the cover and Putting in video as Robbie in a boxing match against himself. Yeah, I think it's very fine. Yeah, yeah, I think some of the 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 ring girls have quite cool makeup at the beginning. They have like uh, eye makeup that's like uh, I don't know how to describe it, like winged but vertically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. It's just, I, because I, I such a minor thing. I just think it's a nice set design. It's got Robbie boxing himself, which is yeah. like pretty cool. I uh, don't think there's anything amazing. It's pretty clean and effective though. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it it, it doesn't affect your image of the song because I think the song is so itself that it feels like the video is supplementary to it the song is already so big I actually really really like the bits where he's not boxing but he's yeah. in the ring and he's like singing in his suit and, and he's got, got two ring girls beside him mm-hmm. and he's just like and he does like weird shit like you know like I describe like the strip thing but I, I, I really actually like that bit of the video because those bits feel like how the song should be treated it should feel like a showman being like this is the show it's about to be. Yeah, play. exactly. Like when he's doing that, I find that much more interesting. When he's boxing, I'm like. Oh, and with okay. the whole stadium thing, it's interesting because you often hear artists writing songs where they comment on being like a musician and going on tour, but you never hear one say, everyone will leave here with a t shirt and a program, got a house in LA, I'm still paying. Yeah, that, that line is so good, right? It's so good. It's, it's like, a perfect Robbie line. I love it. It's like, I know you love me so much, you are paying for my fucking house, and I'll tell you it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like. It's I've also never... such a Robbie brag. Yeah. yeah, and it also is so Robbie in that it sort of is at the same time very grounded. So it's not like you're paying to see me. It's like you're gonna get a t-shirt and like a bit of cardboard with like the lyrics on it or whatever. Yeah. Like a, a program is like I've never heard an artist ever mention a program. It's, it's almost I like embarrassing. Know, like. I honestly didn't know they were real for concerts. I, I didn't know that was a thing you could buy. Oh yeah, fully. It's just like a little book that like has information. You know, at the top. I know what a program is. I've, okay. I've done this like five times. Yeah. In the podcast do you know when you explained what the color violet was to me? <laughs> yes. I yeah, do. that was in, that was incredible. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I know a program. I didn't know you could buy them at gigs. Like you buy them at football games. Like I know that's a thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean you you haven't been to a football game. That's probably why. See, it's like worlds are colliding. Yeah, yeah meeting like, of the minds. It's actually quite. I I normally buy them just like a, like a little like remote, like memory. I've been there. Like just they're like three quid. There's Who a cares? little scratch and sniffs of the players. <laughs> there is not scratch and sniffs of the players. I'll maybe speak to speak to a club and see if we get that organised. I'm gonna get Walcott in my nostrils. That's such a weird reference of a player to make. <laughs> the only yeah. reason I know him is because of that Peep Show joke where Jeremy's trying uh, to trademark the newspaper headline 3 Walcott. Yeah, which is re- he actually turned 30 It's last crazy. Year. And like, I didn't see that headline anywhere. Yeah, no one used it. People used the joke a lot, like on Twitter that day. 
But, but yeah, he turned 30 last year. They absolutely should have done it. It was actually a really funny headline. 3-0, 3-0 Walcott is perfect. Yeah, he's just, not very, he's just not a huge player, that's why. Like, no one's reporting his birthday, if you know what I mean. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I had the impression from Peep Show that he was massive. He was... Right, this is so relevant. He definitely cut in this. Okay. But at the time that sort of era of Peep Show would have been filming, he would have been. That's probably like... When did that come out, that episode? Probably around like 2010? Mm. Like he was involved with the England set. Yeah, that would have made sense. Yeah, like he was trying to go to the World Cup, he got injured just before. He was one of our better players. He played for Arsenal at the time. He now plays for Everton, isn't in the England setup, and is kind of like out of the like the main culture of football. If that makes sense, like he's not oh, really spoken fair. about. Yeah, not really important. He's still a very good professional. Just yeah. Um, I think like uh, we also should talk a little bit about the part where, like I mentioned earlier, with the woman sing, and so they say he would sell his children for a hit in Belgium. God knows what he's done for a number one. Robbie was asked to comment on this line in interviews, and he made the cheeky little thing of saying like. Maybe not Belgium, uh, maybe more like the whole of the Benelux countries, and uh, maybe the second born. <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Good guy, good guy. But like that, that to me is the tipping point at which you realise this is not going to be a compromise. This is not going to be take the crown, this is not going to be reality. This is going to be, John was telling me, when he was hyping this album up to me, he was like, this is a Robbie Williams album. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, yeah. This, there is no playing it safe left on it. Like, <laughs> not at all. Like, reality very much is... Reality is very, very controlled. Mm. Okay. Take the crap. I keep wanting to call the album Candy just because that's the only track I can actually remember from it even now. Um, but like, Take the Crown, I wouldn't say it's controlled. Like, I don't think he tried to reserve himself, but like, he wanted to try and act like a real pop star for once. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't say he controlled himself. I just said he wanted to act like someone else. Well, I think the fact the lead single was deliberately calculated to sound like other 2012 hits. Exactly. He's illustrative of the whole thing. Yeah, about. yeah. And then, like, finally, like, we are back. Yeah. It may have taken, what, When's Rude Boxes <laughs> released 2006. It's exactly it's 10, 10 years. years. Does every 10 years do we just get some Robbie and Sanny? Isn't 96 the year he leaves? He has to, like, that. charge up his power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he can, like, release a Rude Box or a heavy entertainment show. When you think about it, actually... Life Through Lens was 97, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 97, yeah. If you released that one year earlier, I'd be able to make a cool, but I can't, so yeah, thanks. Life Through Lens isn't that insane, though. The it's not, but I'd be... It blew us away, it's because we were like, we did not expect this sound on it. Yeah. It's great, like, listening back to that episode and editing it, like, there are so many things where it's like, we just didn't realise the extent to which we would become unironic Robbie Williams appreciators over the yeah, course of this like, podcast. Yeah, it's genuinely kind of like, especially me, like, I really started with, like, I didn't think this, I thought it was going to be bad. Like, and like, I keep going to the albums and being like, these are going to be bad. But it just never disappoints. <laughs> like, the only one that's been actually bad is the one before Rudebots. Can't remember. Intensive Care. Care. That's so like, bad. that was actually yeah. a bad album. Should we start to party like a Russian uh, One last thing on Heavy Entertainment Show. Obviously mentioned that the opening lines kind of reference to Bowie and the many celebrities that died in twenty sixteen. There is kind of some kind of back and forth between Bowie and Robbie. Uh, Bowie found Robbie Williams confusing. He was <laughs> bewildered by Robbie's success. As to him, he appeared to be a little more than an old school musical song and dance uh, man. And Bowie spent most of his career following instinct and hoping it would collide with public taste. So when he was pre- presented with a phenomenon he didn't understand, like Robbie Williams. Those aren't my words. It's, I just find that very funny that Robbie Williams is a phenomenon that he doesn't understand. <laughs> he wanted to get to the bottom of it. And he was particularly incensed that Robbie had co-opted so much of the John Barry Bond theme uh, for Millennium that he wondered how the hell he got away with it. And Robbie was fairly disappointed to read that Bowie wasn't very fond of him. That's so funny. Like, it took Robbie Williams to make David Bowie like, eh? 
what <laughs> no this can't be right this is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the cut co- like <laughs> the concept of robin williams was just it could not be comprehended by bowie hey, man come over here he's, he's got the whole james bond theme in it well yeah that's what they do now david it's, it's sampling what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can't imagine David Bowie sitting down for a nice relaxing rude box. <laughs> oh, I, mean. I think I pulled a thing in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> that really hit me out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in his weird New York apartment listening to rude box. Everything in that sentence is perfect because the idea that rude box is in any way relaxed. <laughs> Let's chill out album to wind down to. <laughs> okay then, back to basics. <laughs> ah, lovely. <laughs> ah, my, my nice relaxing Saturday evening bath with the candles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... So, so, track two, play like a Russian. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't... I'm, like, this is why I said, like, I don't... Uh, my musical vocabulary no longer can encompass what this song is. I don't understand it. Think about this. This is a pop artist. What the fuck is this sound? <laughs> name genuinely. I'm. I'm genuinely all is. Name me anything that sounds like this. Nothing. Exactly. It's insanity. Pure insanity. So the song it came from Guy Chambers basically just had an idea for a song called Pie Like a Russian. See, it, this and... is Millennium all over again, isn't it? Guy Williams <laughs> just wanted to say the word Millennium. Yeah, He's like, I, th- I think they wanted to do a song that sampled Sergei Prokofiev's Dance of the Nights or The Apprentice theme tune, as it's probably more commonly known. Oh, is that? So, I didn't even pick that up, man. I'm yeah. so fucking dumb. Yeah, that's The Apprentice yeah, theme tune. Yeah, they do. Is it actually? Yeah. Okay, that's so fucking weird. This song is insane. Yeah. This is this isn't this is like we've talked about previously. The previous track is Maxim Robbie. This is Robbie once again going for something that is his own weird little impulse that there is no reason cutting it. I can't even put uh, No, I think I should keep yeah. I can't even put into words what this is. It's genuinely not described. So like to, I, I just my notes don't even make like I'm reading my notes and they don't make sense I'm like I'm not a fan of the sound I don't like this song okay like I, I appreciate that it's fucking insane but I would never want to listen to it ever again I think John I think probably we're both at this stage been kind of Stockholm Syndrome exactly. <laughs> yes well, so I was aware of this when it came out back in 2016 mm. I remember thinking at the time like this is awful like yeah. even not being a fan of Robbie Williams like it's beyond a joke like why is he doing this but again, the more I listen to it, the more I'm kind of, it, it kind of, I'm warped into its worldview, kind of. It, it, it's bizarre because I feel like you can't even say it's in bad taste because it's in a level of taste that just isn't comprehensible. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I, gen- I generally don't like, like, in criticism, asking the question, like, who is this for? Because I think it's a fairly pointless thing to ask. But you just have to imagine, like, when he was making a song, did he think it was going to be a massive hit? Like, yeah. did, like were people going to love it? Like, who is this yeah. for? Is, if, is it for him? Is it for... Did he just write it for Guy? Do you know what I mean? Like Guy was like, I really want to write a song about the people like Russian. Robin was like, fine, you can have track two, Guy. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
the, the, the line put a doll inside a that doll is... is... A, it's the funniest line I've maybe ever heard. <laughs> it's and then when it, so when it comes bad. back in the second verse, yeah. it just repeats it, a doll inside a doll inside a doll. Yeah, doll, but like, hey. it's the bit where it does like, like a bank inside a car. That bit kicks like, ass. It, it almost kind of reminds me of like, you wouldn't steal a car, it's that dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, the way he says it has this weird layer of electronic processing to it. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I put a bank inside a car, inside a plane, inside a boat. Yeah, like, just <laughs> It really just feels like you could go forever with just saying things like, I put a fan inside a top, inside a mattress, inside a couch, inside a... You know, just like pick, a, pick an ad... Not an adjective, like pick a, a noun, a thing, and just add it to the... I put it inside. Like, and it will work. In some attempt to describe the sound, what I say is that it's a maximalist electronic reggae track that samples the Apprentice theme tune prominently. Yeah. Which... Can you even come up with that picture in your head of no, what that could possibly it, sound like? Again, I, I, I guess maybe if you listen, you don't listen to any of the songs. Just at least listen to the first two on this album because they're so interesting. I, I can't, I can't say they're good, but I also cannot say they're bad. That's the thing, and that's why you're getting Stockholm syndrome because they are both. None of this, this whole album, none of it is good or bad. It's all somewhere in the middle. And like how much you like Robbie and how much you're willing to commit to liking Robbie will completely decide how much you like the album. Because there's so much Robbie here. Yeah. It's yeah. not a case where you can ignore the Robbie. Robbie yeah, yeah. is in your face in this album. Yeah, like it's it's insane. Uh, we okay, like I, I it, 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 the thing is, words really do fail to sum yeah. this up. Yeah. I think we need to talk about the chorus as well because I think another it's got to the point where like. With this song, I even like the parts that I dislike just because of how absurd they are as choices. Yeah, that's, but that's what I mean. Like, I don't really like most of this song, and I really, but like, I still have to like it because, like, it's another song holding me at knife point. Be like, if you don't, if you don't, it will hurt you. So the chorus, and this is where the apprentice theme tune kicks in. So underneath yeah. it's got dun 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 dun. I can now hear it. It kind of like stresses the strings in parts as well, like higher than the apprentice theme does. But yeah. It, so that is under the chorus. Previously, it's got this uh, insane, gigantic beat that feels Russian in a way, because it's got this sort of choir in the back and going, hey, hey, yeah. like, sort of like that. And it, it's so big. That's the thing. Another thing about this album, it sounds huge. Yeah. The beat on this is gigantic, and it's really funny how big it is, considering the entire thing is... Look again, like I think there are parts before in pods where I've like stumbled and sort of cut stuff out because it's like you know I couldn't really think of what I was going to say. But here, there really is like no real way to put it into words. But the chorus here is party like a Russian. End of discussion. Dance like you've got concussion. Oh, <laughs> it's really important. Like we we really have to interrogate this. What does party like a Russian mean? What does it imply? Well, How do they party? Ro Robbie said the song is about hedonism and the spirit of partying. It's not about being Russian, but it's about partying like a Russian. The person singing... <laughs> really? <laughs> really? It's, it's about being like what the title of the song is? The person singing is a bit me and a bit a character. But all of my songs are. Part of the British identity is that we believe we're the best at partying. Most nations think of that, think that of themselves. But there ain't no party like a Russian party. Sorry, S Club 7. <laughs> S Club Severin taking a hammer in there. Um, it is based a bit on his own experience. In fairness to S Club Seven, 
They didn't say their party was the best. They just said there ain't no party like an S Club party. <laughs> the entire like, song is about how bad they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no party like an S Club party because an S Club party ain't great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wasn't able to find, I don't know if this is the story you're thinking of, I wasn't able to find anything connecting the two stories to suggest that Party Like Russian was influenced by this. But also in 2016, Robbie is reportedly paid £1.6 million to perform at a Russian oligarch's daughter's wedding. And it's important that we say a Russian uh, a businessman, Roman Abramovich, because I don't, I don't know if we can legally say a person is... Uh, uh, oh, no, you can say he's an oligarch. He's currently banned from the United Kingdom. He owns Chelsea Football Club. Oh, wow. He's, like, not allowed in the country. He might be allowed now, but there was a long period of time when he was banned from the country. As if, like, our reference pools are, like, yeah, just yeah, gelling wonderfully. Like, yeah. he, he's owned Chelsea Football Club since, I think, 2003, 2002. Well, Robbie performed for him. Really? Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense, because, like, he did, I guess, like, he's now... I don't know if he currently is, but he did spend at least two years banned from the country. This I don't know why. This was in 2014. No, so. no, no. It is recent. It's like 2018, okay. 2019. He got banned from the country. Because it was a big thing. It's like, well, he's banned from the country. Is he going to sell Chelsea? Um, but no, he, he like, um, he, he would have been in, living in London at the time, I imagine. Okay. So I imagine his daughter's probably grown up mostly in England. This party was in Moscow. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, okay. The guy's a billionaire. I'm sure he has more than one house. Oh, yeah. um, but, like, I would imagine he's... I mean, he was at Chelsea Ground every week. So he would have lived in London mainly. Ah, okay. And I imagine his daughter spent a lot of time growing up in London. So it kind of makes sense that she would know and like who Robbie Williams is. Well, I guess, like, this this one, like, this is a party in Moscow for uh, New Year's. It was, like, a New Year's party. And, like, Roman hired Robbie. And it was not... This was a party in Moscow for, like, New Year's, and yeah. Roman hired Robbie for Putin's inner circle. So it wasn't just, like, him, it was, like, a... So Robbie's, like... Robbie has first... performed for Putin? Uh, potentially. It says his inner circle. It doesn't say specifically Putin, so I don't know. Yeah. But uh, something in the lyrics as well, I think, is a sneaky wee thing. We definitely talk about the same thing, because the article I saw said it was specifically for a wedding he performed at. Uh, this one says it was... This one I'm looking at says I would it imagine was a... that Putin would be at that wedding, though. Or like no, the article I saw it, it, I saw it, it was definitely the article was from 2016, so maybe did a different one in 2014 as well. Uh, yeah, no, this one says the singer took top billing at a vodka-soaked New Year's dinner for 100 guests in Moscow in 2014. On the guest list was um, Vladislav Surkov, the architect of Russia's intervention in Ukraine. Uh, after performing his hit Let Me Entertain You in a sequin jacket, Williams was photographed with Mr. Surkov's wife. Yeah. Um, this is so weird that he is like... It's in, in demand from the Russian elite. Yeah, like the Russian, like, like actual top of the top of the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is. Yeah, no, the, the story that I'm thinking of that I had noted down is in August 2016, he earned 1.6 million pounds for performing at the wedding of a daughter of a Russian oligarch. Uh, it was at a castle in Prague. Uh, the oligarch was oil tycoon Rashid Sardarov. Oh, this uh, is crazy. So he's done so multiple. he's done multiple shows for Russia. <clears throat> okay, Holocaust. so Abramovich hired him in 2014 for a New Year's party, and then someone you said, a Russian oil oligarch, hired him for a um, a performance in 2014? Oh. I, I don't know when way? all the... Oh, wait, he did the wedding in 2016. Mm-hmm. He did the uh, New Year's in 2014. Yeah. Okay, so but, it's not Abramovich's daughter. So, so basically, he has a lot of experience partying with Russians, presumably. Yeah, also like... 
than like high, like that is high level yeah, Russia. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, interestingly enough, the has, 2014 party only came out because uh, documents were leaked. Has it? Has anyone considered the fact that MI6 have definitely had a conversation with Robbie Williams about this? Like I, that, that isn't a joke. Like a hundred percent. If he has that level of access to a party like that, MI6 have a hundred percent asked him stuff. That's very strange to think. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not saying Robbie's a snitch. But like, 100% he would have been approached, at least his agency, by MI6 to discuss what happened. Can I get an exploding pen? (laughs) Which, I mean, for him, that's got to be the... Like, imagine him finding out that MI6 want to hear from him. He would fucking (laughs) love it. That is weird to think about. But they're, they're, like, with regards to the song as well, right? There's a part I, I like where it feels like he's really dancing around. He says... Ain't no refuting or disputing, I'm a modern Rasputin. And you're like, wait, when's he going to say Putin? Okay, he doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He specifically <laughs> said the song wasn't about Putin. He, he went on Twitter to like clarify that. And he, he basically said that he wanted to... It's like you said, he wanted to show how intense the Russians partied. He'd have first-hand experience of that. But he said that the lyrics are an edited PC version from whatever the original lyrics were. I Yeah, one thing I find like really funny about this song is that the more you think about it, the weirder the title is. Like, yeah. there was some backlash in the press about this track. Yeah, so we'll talk about... This was the lead single for the album, which is an insane choice. Yeah, it's... What the fuck? It's a rude box level manoeuvre. It doesn't yeah. pay off. He releases it 30th, so 30th of September 2016, so a couple months before the album, and it charts at number 68. Oh, yeah. Robbie. Yeah. At this point, Robbie is very focused on chart success. He's, like, looking up the charts, like, regularly trying to see where his singles will land. And this one does not cut it. But yeah, so it does cause somewhat of a media storm, this single. Uh, I think it's The Sun, they published an article suggesting that this song is a song criticising Putin, which then presumably leads Robbie, Robbie to clarify that it's not. But kind of, it's uncontrollable at that point, and from there spawns a narrative that the Russians are angry at Robbie for this song, that he uses like stereotypes and stuff, and they don't like this portrayal of them. Robbie, he talks about in Reveal, he starts genuinely worrying that Russians are going to kill him because of the response to this song, to the extent that he's checking behind his curtains at night to see if anybody's <laughs> hiding there. Oh man, that's a shame. Uh, but Guy Chambers, at this time, knows a political journalist who suggests to him that the party like a Russian backlash was started by the Russian government themselves. I like the idea that he was... I don't know what he expected to see. Like, just a guy with a Yushanka, like, coming up, like... <laughs> Good evening. Uh, but, yeah, so to try and counter this narrative, Robbie's team arranges for him to be interviewed on a popular Russian, like, talk show to try and clear the air. Um, and on this interview, they get to talking about Eurovision. Don't know how it comes up, but it somehow does. And Robbie blurts out that he would love to represent Russia at Eurovision. <laughs> uh, now, this interview doesn't actually end up airing until the following March. So, like, any hopes he had of it, like, dissuading the situation were pointless because they held on to it for so long. But when it does air, his comments about representing Russia are, like, taken as a big offence. That, oh, look at this idiot Brit wanting to represent us, the <laughs> Russians. Um, and a Russian politician, specifically a politician, comments that they don't need British defenders of culture and calls his suggestion, you know, calls his suggestion idiotic. I mean, it is idiotic. Yeah. It's wonderfully idiotic. Would he represent us at Eurovision? <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> It'd be great if he just like represented everyone but us. <laughs> like the idea of a or... British guy being like, yeah, I'm going to represent Russia. <laughs> to be fair, mate, you're never going to win if you're here in the UK, so... Right. It is funny, though. Like There is a lot of press backlash saying the song is borderline racist. And I think the fact that there's a big, quiet, like, Russian accent to be guys being like, 
the Russian boys there everywhere. Like, this yeah. revolution in the air. Like, I like that it's, it's like a grab bag of every Russian idea or stereotype yeah. in one go. But it's, it's like... When you think about it, the title Party Like a Russian is really weird. It's like a song like Party Like a Latvian or Party Like an Irishman. It's just yeah, like... it's just... The whole thing just makes no sense. Because it's like, I feel like you can get away with like saying like a, a song about Russians, but it's being like, everybody from this country parties like this. <laughs> Which, to be fair, everyone in Berlin parties like a maniac. That's like a fact. But like, th- this is like Party Like a Russian. Saying like, I don't emote and stuff. is is It's just... It's it's really weird how he thought that his lead single should be a song entirely how consisting of stereotypes. How can you release a lead single where you shout words in Russian before the chorus? <laughs> Spasibo! Yeah, like, how is that legal? Like, I thought <laughs> I thought you'd get arrested by the music police for that. I think, largely in part because of the press backlash and the fact that this was such a huge thing in the press, like... Because I remember at the time when this came out... I can't imagine why this was such a fucking big deal. Like, <laughs> well, it's easy to spin into yeah, such... Yeah, I, I, well, I understand, like, it's easy to spin. But, like, it's just it's just not that offensive, I don't think, personally. Like, I think I think it's the type of thing that it, it comes back on another song where the kind of the media approach to it just doesn't really consider what the song actually is. It mm. sees that it's a song called Poly Like a Russian, then that's enough to create a narrative out of it. Yeah. I also think that, like, okay, so... I think largely in part because of the backlash in the press and the fact that this was such a huge thing. Because I remember this at the time. I remember the song feeling so strange and I definitely remember articles about it. This is his number one search song on Genius. This is the track out of all of his that has received the most views of its lyrics. Why? I think because of this. Because it's such a weird thing that the lyrics specifically were such a big media issue at the time that Genius was a website that was being commonly used. I think it just synced up. Like, Angels is number two, obviously, but Pie Like a Russian is way ahead. Should we do the video? Uh, just so, I just want to find out real quick, like, the figures, because the figures are insane for that. Okay, um, so Angels has 114k views. Pie Like a Russian has 175k views. People just really want to know what Robbie was singing about. But the comments on it are interesting, too, because they're largely from Russians. And a lot of the comments are stuff like, Robbie is telling the truth about our country, it's ruled by oligarchs and stuff. Like, it, it, it's not... There isn't really any backlash in the Genius page. Like, um... So I just feel like if you listen to it, you just wouldn't find it that offensive, right? Well, I think you might just because of the fact that it's the song that it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you may find the music offensive, but I don't find the, the lyrics to be actually offensive. Uh, oh, actually, I forgot. I, there's another thing I want to talk about with this. He pronounces Louboutinus Louboutin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fantastic. I honestly, for a minute, I thought, is that like so? Is that like an ex, like you know, Russian leader that I've not heard of? And there was a genuine minute where I was like, so it's Rasputin Lubatin. <laughs> I really, really like that. Uh, also, um, the, the chorus. I, I just want to talk a bit more about the song because I, I feel like we haven't really. I feel like we've done so thirty minutes saying. on it, so let's let's do more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But the chorus is so badly handled. Yeah. It's just like it filters it falters out in like the second line. It's like that's like you got concussion oh it, yeah. it's such a limp way to do that. Yeah, it's insane. Um but there is a part I do like where it's like act highfalutin while my boys put the boots in. That's a good line. And then in the background be like they do the can can. Yeah. The idea yeah. of like some booted guys kicking someone to death and call it them doing the can can, that kinda kicks ass. Okay. That's good. But okay, uh video time, yeah yeah. It's cool uh, set. 
It's exactly yeah. what it should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have to see this video. You actually know what it looks like. <laughs> He's wearing some very cool suits in it. Mm. I think a lot of the costume design is cool. The like the ballerines mm. and stuff look great. Um, it kind of rem- the set kind of reminds me a lot of um, where's where's the Queen film Emma Stone uh, the Yorgos the favorite the favorite yeah. set kind of reminds me a lot it, of the it is the it is some like fancy English artist yeah, yeah. filmed in so yeah exactly and he's surrounded by a bunch of um, women dressed like Russian ballerinas yeah and uh, like the other sort of like Russian like I guess yeah like Russian clothing that like is sort of famous it's like the Beatles who wore shit like that right I'm not got that confused they're like weird jackets with like yeah, weird yeah. like straight Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. um, as military uniforms, uh, Gerard mm. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. Um, also, I really like the opening line. It takes a certain kind of man with a certain reputation to alleviate the cash from a whole entire nation. That feels like he's talking about himself. Yeah. Oh no, hundred percent. Like, yeah. No, sorry, I'd forgotten about that line. That is him bragging about how much you've given him. It is great. That's fully it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. I've never heard a pop star. It's like you can brag about your success, how much money you've got. But I've never heard a pop star being like, the public are buying my album so much. Yeah. It's yeah, really it's interesting. I'm really big fan of it, yeah. I think it's notable that the last frame of the video, Robbie gives the finger to the camera. Oh, yeah, I forgot about like, that. Right at the end. That'll come into play later. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> so, uh, should we move on to track three then? Are you going to give me mixed signals? Mixed signals. Oh, boy. So, Nathan, I'm very curious to see what you think of this. Okay. I, I have a bit of a wilder take. I have some redemption for you. Oh, I think I know what this is. This sounds like a killer's track. It sounds I... like a bad killer's track. Oh, Nathan, it's funny you say that. Is he on it? Is this he writing it? This song is written and recorded by Mark Sturmer, Dave Kuning, Ronnie Venucci, and Brandon Flowers. Are you joking? You <laughs> That's insane that I got that. Yeah, it's got such vibe. Like it's got you know that it's got that electric, but the acoustic yeah. behind it. It's got that rolling <laughs> guitar in it. Yeah. It's such a killer's track. Yeah, yeah, no, in its sound at so least. The Killers recorded this song while they work on their album Wonderful, Wonderful with producer Stuart price uh and then price uh ended up working with robbie uh the killers kind of felt like brandon flowers couldn't nail the vocals exactly the way they wanted on this track uh, and price just kind of played it randomly to robbie and robbie decides that he loves it and wants a song so he asked the killers for it they give it to him and he basically just records his vocals over the track they already did oh so like it's fully the it, killers. It is a killer song yeah you can <laughs> brandon... I mean, that's insane because I... <laughs> yeah brandon flowers isn't credited as having vocals on it but there are 100 percent backing vocals from him like i can hear it very clearly at one point it is a killer's track i'm so happy that i've picked this up i i couldn't be more pleased with this outcome it's so perfect yeah i was gonna put today. something about it in the chat last night to be like i was gonna tell you you would get redemption I'm glad I didn't spoil it. Yeah, no, that's so good. I mean, yeah. The, the exact scenario of what just happened played out in my head several times before we were doing this. I hope, I th- if he says, like, this one sounds like Killer's Track, not the yeah. last one, it's like, perfect. Yeah, this this one, I mean, now we know it is a Killer's Track. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I obviously the vocal, the only, the only way it's different from a, a Killer's Track is the vocals. Because mm. that's like, it. That yeah, is the, the only, I, I, literal only way it's different. That's I thought, like, all morning, I've like, been willing to talk about this. I thought I was going to have to defend my opinion, especially because, like, <laughs> John, you're you're a huge Killers mm-hmm. fan. I don't want you to be like, no, 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 no. I like literally listened to you know like Spotify do like this is like plots playlist. Literally had that on re- like mix this morning so I could be like, no, 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 no. Listen to this bit. Like when you turned up here this morning, I had uh, Miss Atomic Bomb on. Like, yeah, no, I'm so happy that I'm actually right. But yeah, I, this is and I guess because it's a killer song, this is a more standard sound. Yeah. Like, we lose the the insanity here. Because there literally is no Robbie besides the vocal. Yeah, yeah, yeah again. But uh, this this is... It's a good track. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good Kills really track. Good. Yeah, um, I, 
Who'd have guessed the Killers write some good songs? It, it's interesting. From a Killers perspe- perspective, this would kind of be a very weird song for them to release at this point because it, it's very much like Sister Peace to Mr. Brightside in terms of lyrics, where it's about kind of uh, jealousy and like yeah. being concerned with infidelity, which really wasn't what they were doing at the point when they wrote this song. But it does kind of musically fit with about where they are. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the more synth. Yeah, 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 yeah. It also, I, I, it has an interesting thing where it's specifically talking about. We'll get onto it with the video. Mm-hmm. But there's something about this song that makes me think very much of like a 1950s style family breaking down, like something like that. But I realise the lyrics are talking about like phones, like in sort of yeah. modern sense. Which album were they recording for this? Which Wonderful, wonderful. Which, which what songs are on that? Uh, the I... Man was the lead single. Oh, yeah. The Man is yeah. so yeah. good. Okay, that, that completely fits with like the, the sound that they would have gone for on that album. Yeah. I, I, it's like you can tell Robbie is doing a Brandon Flowers. Yeah, version. it's it's funny that Robbie had the confidence to take this song because Brandon Flowers is a much better singer than yeah. Robbie Williams. Yeah. isn't if he felt like he could nail it. Yeah, and I, it's also in a much higher register than Robbie normally it, goes for. I yeah. feel like you can hear him straining. Yeah, for he I said, actually don't particularly like the vocals on this song. I I think it's a Stockholm kind of deal. I've listened to this song probably fifty times, so <laughs> You're I'm, I'm all in on it. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't think I like it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I also th- don't think Brandon would be very good on it either. I don't know. I don't know why. I'd love to hear him try it. That'd yeah. be really interesting. Yeah, you can hear him straining, and it sounds not like a good strain. The one thing I will will give him credit for is it's it's, it's not an impression of. The Brandon yeah. Flowers, I don't think. Oh, I kind of felt like it was. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I don't, don't think know. it's anything like what Brandon sounds like. Yeah, I don't think he's trying to either. There's there's so much more like... Uh, is Edge the word, maybe, to it? Like, so much more like... Like, like yeah, Brandon's got such a different... Just such a In different fact, Yeah, voice. Brandon's got a very clean tone. Robbie's yeah. is more rugged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can, all I can think is, is, like, she's just, you know... It's just a great big world. Like, it, it's just... It's, it's so much softer and, like... Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. I really like... I know what's saying, Brandon. Yeah, I'd, I actually would love to hear the original of this mm-hmm. while he, he performed it. Because Robbie said that he tried to change the key to be something lower so he could, like, accommodate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't sound right, so he had to force yeah, yeah. himself to go yeah. to the high register. I just think he could attempt a really bad impersonation, and I'm kind of glad he doesn't. That is weird, because I think a recurring thing of this podcast seems to be me thinking the killers sound like something and then you both as experienced kills us as being like no yeah you it, him more than me i only i only i'm only like half in on them do you know what i mean like i, I know like, you don't even like mr Brightside. you feel like it's been ruined for you yeah like legit no right, okay i guess it's fair to say that like i think the song's probably fantastic but like i have genuinely heard it so much that it like hurts my brain like it, it causes some weird impulses that i don't like <laughs> i also don't think like it's legit- your mk ultra legitimately trailer. like the, the the start to- i was thinking about this this morning the first five tracks of hot fuss for a debut album are Ooh. fucking insane it is, i think it's for my money the greatest a side of all time yeah like, it's, like it's unbeatable. the second half of the album really does start to fall away mm. in places There's, i like so i like save indie rock and roll mm. actually i like that song but um like yeah like you're right like the a side of the album is fucking insane mm. I, I i also don't i like think mr brightside is like maybe track like the best like third best mm-hmm. like the stuff around it is so good killer's talk done i'm just thinking i think that's something to say well I, I also think that it kind of in the instrumental it really shows it's like uh, a more established band doing it than like just whoever usually does robbie's instrumentals because I think it's like really well integrated with the song itself. Yeah. I think there are lots of like nice melodic changes throughout it that make it consistently interesting and really engaging. Yeah. We are just currently talking about how good the Killers are yeah. as a band, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, like, of course it sounds good. They're, what, how many albums have they got? Studio albums, like six, seven? Like, uh, yeah. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, so, yeah. they're, they're a good band. They're, they're, a well, they're also like a well-oiled machine. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Things are going to sound good because they're good. Yeah. We also spoke about in the I mentioned in the Take the Crown episode one of my favorite things a song can do is have extra like rambly vocals at the end and I think that end section in this song is like completely what makes it like it's one of my favorite Robbie Williams songs. Yeah. 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 It's so, it must be so crazy for you because I know you are a big Killers yeah. fan to have like a crossover like this. Like I I, I can't imagine like imagine just imagine he like next like next week we find out like you know I don't know like for me he's got like an Arctic Monkeys mm-hmm. song that he's just done like that that would be so fucking weird I'm gonna be good at that actually I maybe the current stuff yeah Roche. can you can you really imagine him singing from like something from the first two albums which is like the actual like more British stuff they did that old rock and roll <laughs> I can swamp. imagine I can genuinely imagine him giving that speech though that is the problem just imagine like swap where it's like Look, Liam Gallagher, a hundred grand of your money, a hundred grand of mine, we'll, we'll fight. It's like Alex Turner is saying it instead is the thing. <laughs> well, imagine we just swap them two, like, forever. What a world that would be. Uh, dude, if, like, this can simulate real life, and I'm gonna... Eh, bit. <laughs> Sorry. I midway through a bit realised it was too limp and then just yeah. completely followed up. <laughs> he honestly did just walk away. Yeah. Uh... Well, yeah, for move it, we're ready to move on to the video. I'm good for me for the video, yeah. Yeah, so this was the third single from the album, uh, 20th February 2017, it comes out, again, post-album, so it doesn't chart. Uh, but it does have a music video, which is mostly a POV uh, video shot from the, the perspective of Robbie's girlfriend. Uh, she's kind of going on a night out, ignoring his calls. Um, she's partying with friends, she steals the guy's wallet. It's, it, it's very strange in that it's yeah. such a literal like take on the song which music videos generally don't do anything for good reason because at the end of it you're kind of just like okay yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a strange concept as well because i've never seen a music video where a pop star is just sort of lying in bed obsessively checking their phone while it looks like their partner's out cheating yeah on but it, it's 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 weird it, it puts robbie in this weird position where he, he just sort of looks impotent and depressed and just sort of hopeless while his girlfriend's just having the time of her life it's crazy that uh, Lorraine Scarfier like watched this and then wrote Hustlers. Like it's it is crazy that this is actually the inspiration for Hustlers. I'm literally like, gonna mix your signals. Right down to like the last second where Lily Reinhardt throws up in the back of the taxi. Right, but I, I think that a cool thing. That was the, the name I had to write down. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think a cool thing about this video as well is that it does subvert your expectations a little bit in that you expect her to go out and actually cheat. But she just steals a guy's wallet Which instead. Which is funny. Is funny. Like, it's also, just... I just want to throw it out there. If someone ran up to a taxi banging on the window saying, she stole my wallet, the taxi driver would probably <laughs> stop and be like, have you stolen his wallet? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. <laughs> the taxi driver would be like, get out of my fucking taxi. I like as well. So the ending of the video, we'll talk about the endings of the video soon, but he picks up a picture that she took from the guy's wallet. Yeah, right? this is so funny, yeah. Okay, so first off, right, he, she's taken the guy's wallet, she takes up this little picture of him and shows it off to her friends, like, ha, ah, this is yeah, funny. Yeah. 
Who has a picture of their yeah, own face insane, in their wallet? Insane, right? Insane. It's not a driver's license or anything. It's just no, a little it's square photo of his face. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking mental. It, it's There's basically no... the anchor's headshot. He just has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it actually is, yeah. But the size of a stamp. <laughs> but like Robbie sees it on the bedside cabinet and like after being convinced like, oh, she wasn't out cheating on me. She was just having a nice night out, not cheating on me. He's, he looks over to his bedside cabinet, which for some reason she has put this little stamp headshot on yeah. and has this look in his face like, oh no. The most like depressed, like divorce imminent face. It is very awkwardly face to black. And then yeah. Just it. yeah, yeah. I also feel like that is definitely solved by a single conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. We stole some guy's wallet for a laugh. Here is the wallet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like she doesn't just have the the photo. Like who just keeps the photo? Imagine like having that conversation where it's like with your girlfriend, like, oh, I thought you were out cheating on me. You're not. No, I was just robbing. Is what I was doing. Robbie Williams. Also. There's absolutely no need for this to be in point of view most of the time. Oh yeah. no, it's yeah. insane, right? Nothing. It makes yeah. me really uncomfortable at yeah. points. I really feel like it's a sort of... Is, is this the time of Hardcore Henry? I was, like, damn it, I was going to make a Hardcore yeah, Henry. Like, pe- pe- like, this is the worst Hardcore Henry film I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, um, like legitimately, yeah, like, I feel like people were like, hey look, we can shoot point of view mm-hmm. stuff now because we have cameras that are like good enough to do it. But like, no, no, it just looks terrible. It also is, it doesn't, it's set in London and it's quite obviously mm. like a, you know, London taxis, it's a, yeah. you know, British traffic lights and stuff. It doesn't, the song is so American feeling. Like, I feel you've got to shoot it in like Iowa or something. Like yeah, I, I wonder it. why it sounds like an American track. I can't imagine why it would ever sound like that. It should take place in the Church of the Latter-day Saints, because Brandon <laughs> Flowers is a Mormon. Uh, something I don't know if either of you guys picked up, I might just be because I'm insane and I've listened to this track so much. The mix is markedly different in the video, I think. Oh. I think his vocals are much more buried in the video mix. I have the same of... thing with the Heavy Entertainment show. The YouTube mix and the album mix mm-hmm. are different. I mean, it's too... so that could be YouTube compression because that does affect stuff. Yeah. It is also, the song is slightly edited for the video as well. It is a single edit. It kind of cuts off a little section towards the end. So maybe they did a different mix for the single. But I do kind of prefer the video version more because I just think it feels a little like heavier and more propulsive. I didn't even know. I also prefer the video version of Heavy Entertainment Show. His vocals are much louder and more hearable and like more isolated, um, which is the interesting bit of that song to me. Like I like the bigness of it, but like it's important. As you say, he's a showman in it. It's important that he gets to be at the front, whereas I think at times he gets buried by the audio uh, in the the album version. I get what you mean. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah which doesn't happen in the YouTube version, which is why I think the song grew on me because obviously I listened to the album on Spotify. And then listened to it on um, on YouTube, and I was like, "Oh, oh, wait, this is I'm mm. actually in on this." Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have brought it up at the time, but yeah. Yeah. So this music video has two alternate endings. Yeah. Now John oh. hasn't showed me these. Yeah, no, Matthew hasn't seen. It. I'm the only one who's seen these. They were like uploaded onto RobbieWilliams.com. The whole video is the same except for the end section. So in the actual video, Robbie, uh, the girlfriend returns home to Robbie. He sees the picture, and that's the end. In this. It cuts as she's she's like walking down a corridor. You'll see, and it's as she enters the room that things are different. Is so, this is this why I wasn't allowed to watch it on YouTube? No, the reason why you weren't allowed to watch it on YouTube is because the top comment is talking about like imagine imagine Brendan Flowers' vocals on this. Ah, uh, okay, much. right. Yeah. It's oh, at least I'd got it before then anyway. But thank thank right, God. So there's no sound on it. It's just can the you video. See that, Nathan? Uh, is it like a reflection? A yeah, thank you. Twelve towers on it. So we have the girlfriend walking through. Home, yeah. Robbie is alone. Oh. oh do you wow. know who that woman is? She looks familiar. 
Is that Lord? No. Okay. Ah, uh, not that I cut uh, that either. That's... That doesn't look anything like Lord Vyant. <laughs> that's Ida. I was gonna say. Whoa. I was gonna say is that Ida? Yeah. So a girl shagging his wife. Yeah. High five. It's fairly interesting. So you have gay sex. <laughs> I like Bora, gay Bora. Yeah. I like you. I like gay sex. It's 2006, John. Yeah. All right. You guys are the ones who think Bora is ready for a comeback. So don't, 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 don't talk about it like it's bad. If you're the one who wants a second one, Bora is literally ready for it. Okay. Right. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, it's fairly interesting that one of these endings has him getting cucked by his wife. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then I think. This is the better of the two endings, in my opinion. Okay. It's another one. Again, same setup the whole time. So it's just. So wait, is there not three endings? Yeah, there? three endings, yeah. So again, Robbie is alone, and this time. What? No way! No way! Oh, wait. Oh, no shit. Way! Yeah, no, that definitely should have been the ending. Yeah. That's where I thought it was going to go. Sorry, for a second I thought it was the guy from the bar. So did I. Who I think looks like Gary yeah, Barlow. Yeah. So just, just to make it clear why we're reacting like that, the, the third alternate ending, which definitely should have been the ending and is way better, is her meeting Gary Barlow in like a, in a, like a nice like, looking flat. That is so much the better ending. Dude, that was like, that activated the Dalek versus Cyberman episode cortex in my brain. Yeah. That was like... <laughs> That was like, whoa, Robbie Rose is getting cheated on with Gary Barlow. Yeah, but that's such a better ending. I love that, dude. That's made me yeah. smile. That's going to keep me going. Because if he just released them on his website yeah. as well. <laughs> that's so good. I'm, Gary Barlow looks great in that. Like, yeah, you can he, see. Like, he's, he's, he's like entering Gary Barlow looking good stage. Hell yeah. I think, um, I think an even better ending is his wife and Gary should have been there. <laughs> Like, just combine them, really rub it in his face. The video ends with the girlfriend coming back to Robbie and it ends with Ida going to Gary Barlow. Yeah, yeah, that'd be better. Oh man, that was wonderful. I'm so pleased I didn't see those the first time. Yeah. That was brilliant. But yeah, I think that's us done with mixed signals. If we're ready to move on to track four, Love My Life. This is an odd duck. Um, I don't like this song. I think it's very dull. I... I asked if this was a Gary Barlow B-side. <laughs> Gary Barlow type B. Was it a, was it a Gary... That's not going to work. <laughs> I was going to try and combine Barlow and B-side, but then I just... It would have just been me saying, is that a Gary B-side? And <laughs> It's like, that's not funny. So. That was a hot gag. What joke do you use? <laughs> but, um... I think, again, I, I think... Have we both been Stockholm? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, when it, when it came out, I was aware of this song. And an interesting thing about this is I remember the narrative of this song being the time, oh, Robbie's so fucking full of himself. Look, he thinks he's so much better than us. When obviously, if you listen to the song, it's framed from the perspective of him wanting his kids to feel yeah. this way. Uh, the song didn't actually start that way. It was just him saying how much he loves his life. But he realized that you couldn't release a song like that. So he found the kid's angle to kind of ground it a bit yeah. more and make it a bit more palatable. So this track is Robbie saying to his kids, like, I hope you have a good life, and I hope at some point you can say, I love my life, I'm powerful, I'm wonderful, I am me. And the thing is, right, it's meant to be a motivational thing, so that you can like feel good about your own life. Like Robbie said, like hopefully you can inspire people to feel a bit more confident themselves. But I think there are specific lyrical problems with that. To say, I am powerful, for some people that's objectively not true. If you like are working in a very low-end job, and you know, you've got... A family and kids and you can't even kill yourself because the financial ruin that had occurred of what happened you are completely powerless 
And you can't, I think you can't, like, have some motivational thing, like, I'm powerful, because you, you might not be. And, you know, that, that thing, that thing strikes me as such a wrong choice that it adds to the idea that Robbie is literally saying about himself, I am powerful! I am beautiful! Like, yeah. that stands out to me as, like, a, it's not, like, draw on your inner worth. It's, it's just saying, like, just say things about yourself that might not be true, but would be true for a happy person. You know, you, you got, Nathan's got kind of a sourness growing on his face. I just, I just don't think it's that deep, to be honest. Sorry. Right. Like, I, I just, you know, I mean, I, the, I, yeah, you are right. Like, yeah, you might actually be powerless, but, like, you might also be sad. You're not allowed to say, like, be happy. You can still tell people to be happy if they're sad. But it's like, it's like telling a sad person to say, I am happy. That's what it's like. At this point, me and Nathan got into a discussion about, I guess, the nature of happiness, how change comes from within and without, uh, motivational speaking, uh, the intersection of power and money and stuff. Um, in general, I should have just sort of... Robbie Williams' song, I Love My Life, does not need, does not need the amount of scrutiny I was giving. <laughs> and uh, it went on for far too long. <laughs> the entire time, uh, the vibe was very much when when are we going to stop talking about this? This is insane. And uh, uh, eventually, uh, well, this is this is insane. The <laughs> Please move on. Please. I, just, I will. I will. But I just. I'm not it. insane, right? This is no. too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've gone mental. Stop it. <laughs> It's just a problem I've had with the song for years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, it's worth knowing, right? He can say it's for his kids all he wants, but no, it's a fucking brag, all right? <laughs> like, it is a brag. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that, like, the absurdity of this song, I think, is epitomised by, at the time, Limmy just tweeted, without any commentary, <laughs> <laughs> an advertisement that you saw on the sidebar of a website that was just a picture of Robbie Williams' face with Robbie Williams' Love My Life written on it. <laughs> <laughs> like with no commentary like that was enough that I mean, itself is, is weird I don't know why he was so scared to brag about how much he loves his life when you know the first yeah. <laughs> the first two tracks are just brags about how great his life is says like doesn't it say come love the life I'm living I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but I think that at the very so least is being braggadocious because this one the framing feels more like if, if this was a straight up brag song it'd be like I hope you guys feel happy for me while in the heavy entertainment show it's like I'm powerful, I'm great, you want to bathe in my light. And in a way, you kind of do. It's like if like a rapper's like, you know, saying like about how great they are, there's an element of uh, living vicariously through that. People listen to that because it pumps you up. It thinks like, maybe, maybe I'm that good. But with this, it'd be like, it feels almost like, I think as listeners by this point, like listening to his stuff up to this, we feel happy for Robbie Williams that it does seem like he's reached a place of genuine contentment. Because, you know, he's seemed to be like, had a very tumultuous personal life with like mental health issues in the past but this sounds like an expression of a man who's finally arrived at a place that he's happy with but i think that that wouldn't resonate with the wider public if it was just him talking about how great his life was because you know robbie williams is an eternal figure in the british press and i think they would have immediately as they ended up actually doing even though he changed the lyrics i think they'd immediately jump on that and say robbie williams wants you to be happy for his life while you the unwashed peasants look on and buy his albums I just think it's a nice pop song. <laughs> I, I just think it is a pop song. I don't think it's a nice pop song. I think it just is a song. Yeah, I think you've thought way too much about this. Like, there are so many songs that say things that, like, basically entail that. 
but like you just let go because it's just how it is. I don't know why. For years, I've had very specific ideas of this song as a failure in certain respects. But having said that, right? I think I was talking about me and John. I I have been Stockholmed into liking this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the chorus, the melody, the chords are great. Robbie said that he felt when he was writing it that this was going to be huge. I just yeah, find it so boring. He said that he felt like this song had the biggest chance of any song on the album of being a big single. And I would agree with that. I think it's the most like the classic Robbie Williams pop song, which makes it even more bizarre that he didn't pick it as the lead single. Because this was the second single from the album it released October 2016, which is still like a couple of weeks before the album actually comes out. And it charts at number 22. So it does better than the lead single does, even though it's not the lead single. I don't see why... Like, I feel like it would have been a definite yeah. top 10 if you'd just released it first. I feel, yeah, if I anything, Pipe Like a Russian harmed the chart performance yeah. of the previous Yeah, song. oh, definitely. Definitely. Because it's it's such an odd song. It reminds me... I, I, I get this feeling from this and Rootbox, right? That Robbie sometimes gets this very incorrect impulse that, okay, I've got this new sound. This is something wild and not really done before. I'm going to unleash this to the public first, and then their reaction is going to be like, yeah. whoa. I'm and gonna... that's wrong. Like, yeah. You do it the other way. Like, you, you, you release, release a safe to... one first. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, if single number two was Party Like a Russian, I don't think it charts at 68. I think it charts maybe top 20, like top 30. Like, I just see it being more successful. People mm-hmm. being like, oh, okay, this is a bit weird, but I kind of like it. And I, do you know what I mean? It's just such subtle differences he could make that I think really improve stuff. It's it's like, imagine there's a party that you're going to go to. You can either wear a suit that's been, you know, you've worn before and it's really nice. Or you can wear this insane hat that you bought from a charity shop that just looks absurd. You decide, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to wear my new hat. You go there and barely anyone talks to you. They're all looking at your hat and thinking, that guy's insane. That to me is what it feels like. It's like this this that kind of like tragic a very personal anecdote. I no, I own very few hats, <laughs> but it, it strikes me as like a really tragic leap of confidence that doesn't pay off. Yeah. every single time. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's what it is. I think he, he's so confident. The thing as well is, I think he does want to show off his new stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he's genuinely proud mm. of when he makes something like that. Like, it, it's he assumes that it's going to be like a reaction like people had with I don't know, like David Bowie, where it's like. Whoa! What is this new wild thing that's happening? This is crazy. I want to. Yeah. I want more of this. When, like, he he doesn't. His weird stuff is just weird. People also don't want that from pop stars. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, David Bowie isn't a pop star. We want weird stuff from him. Oh yeah. You well, know, I, 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 he was to, back I, in. Yeah. Okay. Because now he's like dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not talking about his popularity. Three I... episodes in a row, baby. <laughs> have you mentioned Bowie's death three episodes no, in a row? No, I have, there are three times that I've played that exact same gag for various historical figures. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like, okay, I'm not going to act like I'm a Bowie historian, I'm really not. But like, I don't think you could ever describe what he was making as pop music. You could. Could you? Yeah. I mean, Fair Let's enough. Dance, that is absolutely a pop record. Is it really? It's weird pop, but it's definitely pop. Yeah, okay, I just feel like I, feel I mean, like... it speaks to how different the climate is where uh, back in the 70s and 80s and whatever, you could release weirder stuff and have the chance of it being big because a lot more artists did it. And the yeah. climate today, without, you know, sound like oh, music was so much better back in the day, is more sanitised and generic and samey a lot more of the time. You don't get as many of those weird songs going. Yeah. Big. it's. I think Pie Like a Russian, if that came out during the 70s, that'd be surprisingly good. I yeah. can see Roxy Music or someone trying mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is at least in my mind, Bowie had built a persona of trying things that were more musically adventurous. So when he mm. does something more musically adventurous, the public are prepared for that. 
Robbie's a more traditional pop star mm. and that most public... Well, I mean, we know this not to be true. Yeah. But most public people <laughs> expect... Um, this isn't a word, but genericism. You know, something is generic yeah, I like that. from him. Um, so, like, when he does something that is more musically adventurous, people aren't in a state of preparation to take that. Like, they, they, mm. they, 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 they have the initial, like, what is this? This doesn't make sense. And that confusion leads to them not liking what he's doing. I mean, sometimes he's done it and the music is actually bad. But yeah, that's, really that's, that's irrelevant. I, don't, I actually don't think quality... Especially when you get to a star level of like Robbie or people like that, I don't think quality actually entails that much to like sales anymore. Because I mean, intensive care that was, uh, I think, possibly his most commercially successful era. That was the time he broke a world record for and tour sales. And you know, what I like our, our big issue of it is how generic and boring. Yeah, it, is. it feels like nothing. Yeah, it feels like everyone buying that was expecting something interesting like his previous stuff because he built up such a reputation. But it takes a certain kind of man with a certain reputation to alleviate the cash flow the entire nation. It does. And... It does. It, I have heard that to be true. And in that case, he was building off his reputation. But at this point, he doesn't have the public in his hand to the extent that he can put exactly. out a pie like a Russian and it goes mad. Should we do the video? I have one line to say. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, I definitely so watched it's it. Robbie walking along a beach. He's surrounded by lots of young women who are filming him. And the video kind of cuts between different angles of people filming him. Yeah. Um, it probably has some meaning that I couldn't be bothered to think enough about to get... Um, yeah, it's, it's also grey as hell. Yeah. The weather is like so great. The weather's miserable. Yeah, like hundred percent, like shot in, like like shot on a March morning. Do you know what I mean? Like it looks horrible. I, I like the concept though. It's something that I've seen done in a couple of other music videos. I saw Run the Jewels one that had like, um, you know, Run the Jewels and Danny Brown. It was Danny Brown's song, but they're all performing and there's a bunch of people filming on their phones and stuff, and it cuts like between the different things. But I feel like this thing's kind of more well executed because. It's got this unity to it, where all the camera people are wearing the same outfit and they've all got the same camera and stuff, and it's a good quality camera. So that video budget must have actually been quite quite a lot. But um, they could. Just, I don't think it'd be that much. We just rented the cameras. Yeah, but like renting that many, because renting cameras, like I think it looks about like at least twelve cameras there. But yeah. I think it's pretty well done. But again, it doesn't. You know, it's not like you watch that and you're like, ah, that's the song. It's just a guy walking around being happy. Motherfucker. Yes. Track. Motherfucker. <laughs> Track five. Uh, five. <laughs> yeah. As all track fives are on every album, they're all called Motherfucker. Like, you may have missed that, but every album you've listened to, every track five, obviously is called Motherfucker. Because why would it not be? It is the most obscene Robbie Williams title we've had yet. I think this is great. Yeah, I, like I really enjoy this. It, it's another amazing Robbie song in that it's such a weird juvenile way way of expressing like it's obviously a song dedicated to his children saying like they're gonna grow up to be like this weird <laughs> they are family, gonna grow up to be but bad motherfuckers yeah it's obviously like a fairly tender half up message but just expressed in like yeah. the strangest I find way possible extremely cringe uh, like look, extremely cringe look here right it's the message of it is uh, one that i've never heard expressed in a song before yeah yeah it's like <laughs> Our family has like a history of mental health issues. I can't pretend that everything's going to be all right, but you know this stuff kind of makes us what we are. And I want you to be prepared for you know issues you might have with attachment issues in relationship yeah. later. Yeah. How do you describe that? You're going to be bad motherfuckers. <laughs> your uncle sells drugs. Your cousin is a cutter. Your grandma is a fluffer. Your grandpa's in the gutter. Your mother is a nutter. The, 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 yeah. <laughs> to be fair, she must be a nut. Imagine having to live with Robbie all the, day. The repetition day. of your mother is a nutter is a little yeah. awkward. Yeah. Like, your mother is a nutter! Your mother is a nutter! Yeah, it sounds like abuse. I, I, I just sat in the room when he's recording it like, 
<laughs> I don't know how I'd react if anyone told me my mother was a nut. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Also, like, I'm gonna. Ida, Ida seems like a really nice person. Yeah. I'm. Re- so like, when you see them together, it's like, man, they have really found like marital happiness. I'm really happy for like both of them. But like, she doesn't scream like she's not. You know, she's not Marilyn Manson. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> second Marilyn Manson <laughs> reference of the day. Get in. She just, she seems like a nice person, a Hollywood kind of person. Well, she, she's, like, she's a nutter, okay? <laughs> she's a friggin' mentalist. In, in, <laughs> on Channel 5. <laughs> oh, what a show. Up top, up top. Yeah, I've heard of it. <laughs> but um, there's a point in this where I got the biggest smile possible. When he goes into the second half of the chorus and he says, Now I could sing you a song and I'll tell you everything will be fine, but by now you know me so you know that I'd be lying. When that happens, a guitar bit comes in, and after years of it being gone, we have full-blown Oasis yep. back again. Yeah, uh, there's another track later as well. Yeah, like, the second half of this album, Returns <laughs> is yeah. back! And it's I like, couldn't believe it! That to me feels like even more proof that this is unleaded Robbie Williams. Yeah. Well, it's the first time he's going back to a more rocky sound. Obviously, yeah. he's been very pop-focused in the past decade, at least. Uh, and there are a few tracks on here that sound more like throwback rock. There's obviously Chairs of Britpop, 2000s old rock. It all comes back here. And it's like the exact guitar tone of The Edge. The exact yeah. one. It's like, it's so good because you feel like, okay, he's really doing what he 100% wants to now. And it's, it's, it's <laughs> like the repetition of the title also, I think, does feel a bit awkward. And the fact that, like, he said that 95% of the lyrics mm-hmm. are true, which I don't think is possible. You know, I don't know if the grandpa is in the gutter. And from what I've, I've looked up, I don't think either Ida or Robbie's mother worked as a person who maintained erections on pornographic sets. But he seems to be associating that. And I also think, like, the line, your, your cousin is a cutter, feels a bit crude. You know, it feels like a weird handling of that. I don't know. Because you never really hear, like, self-harm addressed in that way in songs. You're sort of chucking out, your cousin is a cutter, feels a bit... It feels almost as if that should be a slur, like the way he spits out. Is it definitely about self-harm? 100%. What else would it be? Cutting drugs, uh, maybe it refers to like a particular trade that involves a lot of cutting, like carpentry or something like that. There is no way he's saying your cousin's a carpenter. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there is. <laughs> I didn't put two and two together, it was about self harm. I actually had no idea what it was about. I like the idea that Robbie would think being a carpenter is a mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant it so. <laughs> just meant it like more like <laughs> not that it was a mental illness, but like I don't, I don't know, like it's sort of yeah. No, I'm Can you believe this? Can you believe this? He's a carpenter. <laughs> He's not coming for Christmas. <laughs> but um, so this song is it's called Motherfucker. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess like you have some stuff in the background, right, John? Not really, no. Oh, well, it, I was. <laughs> I just want to give you a bit of a chance to talk about <laughs> no, it. No, mate. Like, say, it's, <laughs> Fuck it's, off. It's dedicated to his son, Charlie. That's, yeah, okay, yeah. so that. This is interesting, right? In multiple interviews, he talks about how it's dedicated to his newborn son, Charlie, the one he did the candy dance and the funny skits for <laughs> during yeah. his birth. <laughs> birth of Robbie Williams' son, funny moments. But, um... <laughs> Part one of two. <laughs> Epic style. But... Try not to laugh challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but he talks in multiple interviews about the fact that like you know I wrote a song for my daughter on the last album called Go Gentle 
and you know it's a lovely sort of gentle thing about you know and they wrote a song from a son called motherfucker and he sort of (laughs) 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 did just give it gun signs for the record and he plays at that contrast a lot like he talks about on multiple talk shows i saw this one in an italian show where he um talks about how uh in the he exaggerates the element of like rules for dating my daughter on go gentle like he repeatedly does a fake version of the song in which it's like and if you come back to my house i'll shoot you in the face we sort of and the italian audience loves that it gets applause it gets he gets an award no but um basically (laughs) he becomes president of italy (laughs) but just a weird side there's a great thing about that italian talk show where it's got like a full band kind of like the roots and quest love and it makes you realize why that's not really such a common thing because they do an extended like like it's not just like a ba-dum they do a whole riff whenever he does a funny joke, and you just see Robbie like sitting there waiting for it to finish. It's such a horrible format. Like Robbie be like, "Yeah," and I called this track from a son, and it's like, and it's like you can see Robbie sitting there like, "This is awful." <laughs> like, you're like, shut the fuck up. But he repeatedly says so. Obviously, the track from Daughter is really gentle, but the track from a son is like, "Come on, you you can be my son, yeah." However, this is not the truth. I uncovered a 2013 interview where he talks about a song he's been writing for his daughter. Also in the interview, he says, you know, if my daughter starts getting into drugs, I'll just make sure she has access to good quality drugs and I'll take them with her. Which is interesting sentiment. It's not, you know, to be fair, it's kind of... He's had experience with it, so like, if he sees it, you know, he wants to give a certain amount of freedom to his kids. It's it's kind of bad parenting, but not really. You know, it's a weird little thing. Yeah. I'm not a dad yet. Um, yeah, let's just not do parenting now. Didn't Johnny Depp say the same sort of thing in an interview once? I can't remember them, that being spoken he about. He said he was going to give his son coke when he was five years old. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that what it. he said. And the court gave him immediate custody because that's boring as hell. But, um, uh, <laughs> right. Anyways, so he says in this interview that he's writing a song for his daughter about, you know, how he's struggled with addiction issues and stuff and reassuring her, like, you know, the thing, these may happen to you, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to help you through it. And he says the lyrics to the song. And they're the exact same as this, right down to the chorus. <laughs> so, well, in all these interviews where he's like, this one's from a son, it's crazy, isn't it? No, he wrote it for his daughter before Swings Both Ways came out. That, that is very classic dad, in my opinion. Like, this is definitely for you, kid, but uh, yeah, I'm just reusing the shit I came up with before. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, hope, I don't know if he like, regrets giving that in to you, because like, his, his son can definitely find that out now that he's got the B-side. Like... <laughs> In, in a way, a second born is a B-side. <laughs> uh, what a take. What, what a take that is. I can't wait till you have your second born and I can play them that clip. I'm only, I'm only getting one. I can't have two I'm kids. I'm only getting one. <laughs> like, I'm only going to be awarded one child. Yo, I hope if I have actually more than one kids, they never hear that, because then they'd know. But, um, basically, no, I, uh, future kids, if you exist, I love you all. Sorry that you die in, like, 2050 along with the rest yeah. of the, everyone. Bruce, but, Bruce Lee, or you got more? Uh, there's just a wee bit on this, yeah, quite sorry. interestingly. Uh, Robbie, in that interview, talks about his daughter's friends with Adele's eight-month-old son, Angelo. Which is kind of cool. And he says, her son and my daughter go on playdates. <laughs> Little Peanut is on the list of potential suitors for Teddy. <laughs> I forgot, Adele's son is called Peanut. Is that actually? I need to check this. There's no way he just called that kid Little Peanut unprompted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna search Adele. Adele had a kid, to be honest. Uh, I'm gonna search Adele Peanut. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely just referred <laughs> All to. that showed up is a photoshopped image of her holding an award where it's replaced by a giant peanut. 
<laughs> Whoa, okay. Uh, what? Adele's baby's name is Little Peanut. <laughs> Of course, I can weep. Hey, you wee nut. I like the idea of like them two at a park, just sat next to, to next to each other talking. Like Adele is friends somehow with Robbie Williams <laughs> no, at a distance. They are actually friends. Yeah, there yeah. is a story in Reveal. He says I don't remember the exact of it, but uh, Adele and her husband basically invited uh, Robbie and Ida along to a party where Jay Z and Beyonce were also there. Oh. So Robbie spent the day hanging out with Jay Z. And Chris Martin was also there. And the way he describes it in the book is apparently like Robbie's trying to act cool in front of Jay-Z and Chris Martin is just making fun of him the whole time. <laughs> like, talking about how he used to be fat and stuff like that. Was like, Chris Martin must have known him for a pretty long yeah, yeah. time. Yeah. Hey Jay-Z, uh, you're crazy for this one, Rick. Remember that bit off your single? You look fat, Robbie. You look fat like you used to. Hey Jay-Z, I'm friends with you. Beyonce, I know you, you do backing vocals on my album. This guy used to be fat as hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a wild story. I, uh, Imagine getting bullied by, by the frontman of Coldplay. That's tragic. Surely your reply would just be like, "You are the frontman of Coldplay. Like, be quiet." <laughs> just knowing in the back of his head, it was like, "I can't blow up and yell at Chris Martin because Jay Z won't think I'm." Quiet. I actually f- feel like, um, like, fix you and like some of Robbie's earlier stuff are weirdly like linked. Like in my mind, Angels and Fix You are like. Two I get that. There are a, a couple of Robbie things that you could say, oh, that could be a Coldplay kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. Coldplay could never do pie like a Russian. Oh, yeah. They would be removed from the recording industry. They, they would be blacklisted. Well, I mean, I mean you, want to talk about, you want to talk about genericism. Like, let's do a Coldplay episode, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, fucking hell. Dude, I think, like, honestly... I, I know it's cool to hate on Coldplay, but that, that's why I am cool. Because I, I hate Coldplay. A, a Coldplay podcast would be essentially have the same result as one of those sleeping apps <laughs> <laughs> I hope we meet Chris Martin you can tell me I'm fat <laughs> I love that that's Chris Martin's big big like beef with him it's yeah. like do you know how fat he used to be <laughs> the, the other thing he kept making fun of was the I'm rich beyond my wildest dreams line that's a funny story yeah. I want to talk just for a thing so Robbie Williams at the time this was the EMI deal right yeah um, it is yeah, yeah, I think yeah. So. so he does the 80 million EMI deal and there's this sort of interview he does where he shouts the phrase, or is it on an award show? Or is it an interview? Well, where he shouts this phrase. Yeah. It's during the press conference where they announce it. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Right, so during the press conference after he's received the $80 million deal, uh, in the press conference after he's received the $80 million deal, he shouts out, I'm rich! I'm rich beyond my wildest dreams! Yeah, we've, we've spoke about this before on the podcast. We yeah. haven't actually said what is amazing about that story. Is he wanted that to be a joke because he thought he was referencing a time when a woman in the media um she won the lottery and what she said was i'm gonna spend 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 and that's where that phrase comes from robbie misremembered it as i'm rich i'm rich beyond my wildest dreams so he, he goes and shouts this in front of a lot of cameras thinking oh everyone's gonna be on the joke they'll know what i'm referencing but he's actually just shouting out about how rich he is he says immediately after it left his mouth he realized Oh, nobody ever said that. <laughs> I'm referencing a thing that doesn't exist and look like an arsehole. That's like that's like the sort of thing where you accidentally misquote a vine in front of a group of people and like everyone looks at you like you're scum. I'm in imagine my mom's car. That, beep, beep. Yeah, like imagine doing that on a international scale. <laughs> I actually do feel bad for him. 
<laughs> this is the first time I feel like my problems and Robbie's problems have really had overlap. <laughs> I've got a real Nathan. I've never had the problem of misquoting a vine in front of people. That is an amazing problem to have. Have <laughs> you never done that? Like, no. Trying to misquote. Have you never misquoted a reference in front of someone? I mean, like, I am the so- I am the person earlier who went. What's that guy's name? That guy, for- you know that guy, and you had to remind me what Joe Pesci's fucking name was. <laughs> I won't lie. Earlier on, you did say Guy Williams in a way that is impossible to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> Guy Williams, the ult- <laughs> the ultimate songwriting yeah. machine. It looks like like a when Doctor Who fused a Dalek with a human. <laughs> that is your second. That's your second Doctor Who reference in the episode. One more and you're out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I think we've we've covered that track. Yeah. So track six is Bruce Lee. This rocks. See, the weirdest thing about this track is is when Brad Pitt comes out and starts fighting him in the middle of it. <laughs> Right. Uh, we mentioned Oasis on the last track. I think this sounds like cigarettes and alcohol. The, I have the exact same thing written down. This is so. This is so like middle of definitely maybe. I've never had cigarettes and alcohol. You haven't had a cigarette. I have no reference point. Just, oh wow! That, that genuinely, like, not a joke. That is my favorite Oasis song. Oh wow! Like, I think it represents so much about what the early band is like. I think I've heard it once before. I know the chorus is like cigarettes and alcohol. It's all like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's got like a title like a down 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 down, and then the bass in the background goes down 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 down. Like it's yeah, it's got my. I was just thinking to sound like the wrong it's, it's it's where the sunshine comes from. You know, sunshine. Yeah. It's, it's genuinely from that song. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, for this, I just I thought this is the most successful Robbie Williams track ever, just being a great rock song that rocks super hard. Well, Cigarettes and alcohol is that. Like Damn, cigarettes, kind of... c- cigarettes and alcohol does just like just completely rock. Like that. That's it. Like it's. I'm gonna make you listen to it before you go home yeah, today. It's that. so good. Yeah, yeah. It's more. It's more. It's, the guitars have got such a good sound. Like the gain is all the way up on them. That mm. it sounds great. Yeah. And there's little parts in it too. Like between the end of the first chorus and the verse, it has this part where it just like a high pass filter comes in and only the drums play. So it goes from like this huge like wall guitar thing to just like a. Doom, 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 and then it goes to the next thing. It's like, oh yes, I just think the chorus on this has this amazing moment where it just like sandblasts your face off. Yeah. Where it's like when you do that thing, babe, it cuts a beautiful line. When you're a bright young thing, ain't it just a beautiful life? And the way he delivers that has like the confidence of the sun. Yeah. Again, that's that could be pulled from an Oasis track. What you just said. This makes me annoyed. I'm like, not sure I ever. Not like that he right actually now. stole that from Noel Gallagher's diary. Like that's the thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, you know, topical joke about Noel Gallagher and masks. <laughs> it is pretty much like only the instrumental I hear the similarity with oh, Cigarettes yeah. and Alcohol. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, the song Cigarettes and Alcohol is, you know, it is literally what it says on the tin. Like, it's just thinking about that. This honestly, like, it's maybe like top 20. As this podcast goes on, more and more Robbie songs are added to my favourite Robbie song list. Yeah. This it, is on that. It's now. genuinely impressive how, like, again, we spoke about this, like, you've, you've been reason to edit episode yeah. one. And I have a little bit as well, just to check over your edit and stuff. Um, but like he's genuinely really impressed me as a musician constantly like continually he comes back to the well and will find some way to impress me even like I said there was only one album where I have left like genuinely yeah. angry and disappointed and it's um, intensive, intensive care. care it's the title like you guys don't like take the crown that much I actually don't mind it like I know what he's going for like I understand he's trying to write real populist music but I don't care it's I, like, I, I can it's understand why somebody would like take the crown I always come back to this thing that Intensive Care, one of the reviews said, like, you know, the sound is good and the melody sensible. 
Yeah. That is embarrassing. Like, you said it, you know, you hate, like, the, the like, um, like, the, the, the notion and criticism, like, who is this for? Mm-hmm. Like, who who is intensive care written for? Like, mm. we, we discussed that a lot in the episode. And, like, I understand it can lead into lazy criticism, but it's also a question. It's like, is this for you, Robbie? Did, did you want to make this? Because it doesn't feel like it ever. That's why that album's disappointing. It's it's not because it lacks Robbie. It's because I don't feel like he even cared. I don't feel like he turned up. Yeah. And we spoke about didn't he record, like, literally audit. Like, in bedroom. his bedroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. It sucked. There's no need to relitigate that. Exactly. We've done so much right. on it. I think his vocal performance on Bruce Lee is wild. Yeah, I I don't know what this reference to because I I don't write timestamps, but I wrote the vocal swap up here is amazing. So I don't know if it's a key change or something he goes through, but like there's something yeah specifically about the vocals that blew me away when I listened to it. He does this change from like a really like da 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 like a really yeah, yeah, high yeah, pitched yeah. thing he does, which is wild. I've never heard him like attempt that before for an entire verse, and it sounds great. He sounds like yeah. an actual like seventies rock star. Okay, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. And then there's this part that strikes me as like one of the David Bowie songs that sounds like a Rolling Stones track, where he's just like, "I'm getting better, oh oh oh, I'm so much better, oh oh." Yeah. That I can see like Damon Albarn doing that too, but that part to me strikes me as so. All of it could be really poor if handled badly, but the confidence of the delivery and the gigantic sound of the instrumental sell this song so hard for me. I, I love every part of this track. It, it really impressed me. I don't love that it's called Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> weirdly enough that was his first lyric for it yeah he he like because Bruce Lee you know be like water like the cup become the water yeah. becomes the cup that's like. the that's the one bit of the song I don't like I just find it really weird and out of place personally I, again though I do like it because it does fit our Robbie narrative of just weirdness mm. but yeah if we're talking about an actual standpoint I, I'm not a fan of it do you have anything John? Uh, I will say at this point in the album we're past the halfway point it's a fairly short album it's like 40 minutes yeah. um, and so far at least for me I think it's all like very solid songs that all feel sonically different but all like it's still a cohesive album but I think this album is really good and that each song feels very individual and very unique but it still comes together to form a cohesive thing which uh, I didn't expect because I don't think he does that very often it's like it's not like sprawling but it feels like he decided to go for production ethos here which I wouldn't even describe it I guess maximalism would be a kind of thing but it just even when the tracks aren't don't have that many moving parts, they're huge. They yeah. sound huge, and it really works. It feels like, I mean, it's a very modern style of production. And when you compare it to stuff like "Sing When You're Winning," there's obviously like it's a lot louder and it's a lot more electronic and it's a lot more compressed. But I think it's it's not just my modern ears that are thinking like, "Oh, this is what I'm used to." It feels like the most accomplished sonic universe, yeah. like he's tried to do with an album so far. Should we move on to track seven? Oh, one little thing about Bruce Lee. Uh, the thing I, I forget is that it starts off with, I guess, what could be described as vaguely Chinese sounds, mm. followed by a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, yeah. Which Weird. Yeah, that, that, that is probably my least favorite part of the song, but it goes away in like three seconds. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get a little dabble of it, and that's it. Now, let's get sensitive. Yeah. Um... Again, I think this rules. Yeah, yeah it's I, really I good. really like this track. I was so surprised at him being able to pull off this. Sound. Yeah, again, if you told me for this album, oh yeah, he's gonna do like a very modern pop R and B electro pop song on this, I'd be like, no, yeah, that's it's, not gonna work. It's got a real but, funky bass line yeah. in it. I'm really big fan of it. The weekend could do this. I there is one moment I hate is where he spells the word happy. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate that. I but still like it. I, I'm gonna let it slide because the rest of the track's good. 
It's like, girl, I don't know why you're not H-A-P-P-Y. <laughs> I fucking hate when artists do that. Girl, I don't know if you've been Miss O-P-P-I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but Robbie apparently loved the Mick Jonas song Jealous, and he wanted to make a song like that. So, Fair enough. And interestingly enough, in the interview he talks about that, he describes him and his friend listening to that track, saying it's a bit odd for two 40-year-old straight men. So, it's like Robbie just being like, he, he isn't playing around so much with the whole gay peekaboo. He's just like being like, yeah, Robbie Williams is straight. And it's sort of like, it's interesting that like that arc has sort of concluded at this point. <laughs> but um, I feel like he, I feel like he'll bring it back. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past him. But there's a cool thing here where he talks about, when he was thinking about that, he visualizes it taking place in a marble house, which I completely pictured when I was listening to the track. It feels like luxurious and like, I don't know, like a wealthy in a mid-2010s way. But um, there are parts where I thought, like, yeah, you could imagine, you know, like a modern artist like The Weeknd or The 1975 maybe, like, trying something like this. And the little vocal turns he does, it's like, but you love it, yeah, is like, oh, he pulls off that sort of 80s ballad kind of vocalist, like a Hall & Oates kind of thing. It, it's a completely successful, uh, like, it's a guy in his 40s doing a completely successful take, uh, successful take on a very modern sound. Yeah. yeah. Good try. Yeah. Not much to talk about, I reckon, but it's yeah. just a good, solid track. David song. Very interesting one here. Uh, yeah, so when this started, I kind of rolled my eyes. I thought, oh, here's the, you know, mandatory, slow, sad, accusative song. But as far as those songs go, I think it's pretty good. Um, I think it has a strong chorus. It's not as dreary as the opening would suggest. Uh, I ended up liking it quite a bit. I think the guitar solo was pretty good in there. Yeah, I thought um, it was, like, transcendent. I've never heard a guitar solo, like, elevate us like Rob Williams song like that it, like it takes you yeah. out of the rest of it yeah the, the solo is the best bit of the song it feels cosmic I feel like the vocal like I think compression is maybe the right word it's auto-tune is it auto-tune yeah, yeah, yeah. it's bad in places yeah, yeah. it's like uh, there are some tracks where I think auto-tune is fine like I think there's probably quite a bit on mixed signals but just forgetting that massive block vocal sound that you need in the killer's track I think that's completely acceptable uh, along the delay that they use but on this one if you're doing a tender heartfelt ballad auto-tune feels like it belongs in a completely different room to that yeah and it, it, it's just weird because it's so overbearing uh on the parts where you sing quite quietly and straightforward but yeah yeah i, I agree it, it, that did detract from the song a bit for me but I, I overall i really liked it a lot yeah and this song it's a tribute to robbie's longtime manager david Enthoven, Enthoven, um who passed away the previous summer robbie said it's a song about death and about dying and it became fitting to name it after him originally it was a song about me worrying about dying it's a heartfelt song, and I've got so many beautiful connections with, with people on this planet as Robert Peter Williams, and I don't want to leave it. Uh, he also said that with, without David Antoven, he wouldn't be sitting here today. He helped him to get sober when he kept relapsing. I think so that's it's quite an emotional song for Robbie. I think. I, it feels very hard. Good respect on show as well. I, I think just the way it talks about, like, he's talking with respect for someone who's dying and how much he doesn't want to leave the world, I think it's quite affecting, honestly. I think it's well executed uh, I think like all the little melodies come together in a way so at one point you think oh it sounds a bit cheesy but then it resolves in an interesting way like the sort of pre-chorus bit um, the song is originally called Last Song Ever because Lion Reed's like you know while well, they play the last song ever and it does make you think about mortality like at one point we're going to listen to a song and it's going to be the last song ever here that's terrifying and it's uh, yeah I think it's a good track again has amazing production like the rest of the album sounds huge sounds very full and in a way that doesn't detract from the sentiment of it yeah. Uh, the guitar solo thought kind of George Harrison-ish I thought yeah, I see that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has a very sort of climby it feels very spacey the track you know what I mean mm -hmm. damn it 
Hey, pretty woman. I was, I was being like, you know, let me be frank. Yeah. Show my kindness. Okay, so pretty woman. I really wanted it to be just be him doing a cover. I, that's what I expected to be too. I think you yeah. can't call two songs the same thing. That's illegal. I really, really wanted it. I, I was quite disappointed, but I was. I mean, okay, so, because there is quite a bit on the background yeah. of this song. What do we think of the song first? I wrote, I, I like the idea, but I don't like any of the execution. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. I got it, I like it a lot. I like it a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, guys, you guys are way up on this album than me. Like, We're absolutely heavy entertainment freaks over here. Yeah. I, I, well, you guys are heavy entertainment I'm more like medium, like entertainment show, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Is uh, anything in particular the song reminds you of sonically any other artists? Yeah, Nathan. Oh, no, but maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Hmm, okay. <laughs> you're you're going to reveal, <laughs> reveal it to someone I love or something. Who is it? No, it's not someone you love. No. Um, Who does it sound like? Just, uh, should I just read the exact quote about him where he yeah. talks about this? So this is direct quote from him. So I'm writing the album Heavy Entertainment Show and neurotically worrying that I haven't got enough hits. It's about three weeks before the album's got to be handed in and I'm in bed. I'm sort of just up staring at the ceiling going, not enough hits, how am I going to get a hit? Come on, fatty, come on, fatty. Think, think now. Pull something out of the bag or else we will die. And I was like, oh, I've got Ed Sheeran's email address. Ed Sheeran's got hits. Dear Ed, Robbie Williams here, do you have any spare hits by any chance? Got straight back to me, sent me a song, it's called Pretty Women. And I thought it was amazing, I thought it needed a chorus, so I went off and wrote a chorus. So the song was written by Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And I think you can hear it mm. when you know it. It's like Galway yeah. Girl, kind of. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Ed, Ed Sheeran's very much going to become part of the, the the Nathan Hate Club. Ed Sheeran could fuck off as well. Not a fan. Is that what the NHS stands for? <laughs> what? I would... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that jump has been made, but yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't particularly like this song. Um, to be fair, I think there's a lot of reasons to like Ed Sheeran. I mean, his first album's a big plus. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. We are retiring from podcasting on that joke. Uh, cheers, everyone. Bye. But, okay. So the verses are all Ed, and the chorus is all Robbie. And I think the chorus is the best bit, which is mm-hmm. interesting, because obviously Ed's written a million hits and stuff. And so has Robbie, kind of, but... Robbie gets he turns the groove into like it's like you know it's like the way you move your legs are just improper now go and shake what you've been given from your mama is a really interesting little arc that that line takes I, I really like what he did there there's also I don't know exactly but Robbie really likes the song I Need a Dollar by Aloe Black oh, if yeah. you see him uh, like in behind the scenes stuff like when you he's see about... behind the scenes it's all he listens to no. he's just constantly <laughs> when he's about to go on stage it. like he frequently sings it he just randomly sings that one song and I feel like you can kind of hear elements of that mm. in yeah, the chorus yeah I can hear yeah. that yeah I could hear that when you were singing it in particular mm. uh, it's it's I, I really like it mm. I think a weird detail that I, again it grew on me was the fact that after every line in the verse, you have a little choir of mini Robbies going, "Hey now!" It's it's like it's weird because you don't often get that in a Robbie track where usually he'll have backing singers, like usually women, to sort of uh, differentiate between his vocals. But this is just Robbies, and it's yeah. weird. It creates this weird little image that there are little robot Robbies like hanging around, like "Hey now!" But um, yeah, just a track about a pretty woman. And he said essentially it's a track about a pretty woman just wanting to shag her. Oh. Yo, in the interview that you quoted that from, he calls Ed Sheeran the Tom Hanks of yeah. pop. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I kind of think the more I think about it, the more it's kind of apt. Like he's very bankable. 
a lot of people think he's broadly nice. Well, then again, he doesn't have as much of a nice guy reputation yeah, as Tom Hanks. I don't see it. Yeah, Tom Hanks is good at what he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Tom Hanks is talented, and not talented in a popular way either. Like, yeah, he is very popular, but can also do things that yeah. are talented in non-popular. Tom Hanks ways. doesn't have that many detractors. Like, you obviously have like the mm. Q people who think stuff about him, but. He is mostly well loved, and I would I don't think Ed Sheeran is mostly well loved. That is a good point. I didn't think about the fact that Ed Sheeran does have obsessive hater losers like Nathan. <laughs> I don't hate sorry. him that much. No, right? sorry. I but, do fucking hate that song about like Castle Over the Hill, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I cannot describe how much anger like the sound of it brings to me in particular. <laughs> like the yeah, I can like hear it in my head, and I'm getting a stress headache. It's like a Hulk smash moment. Like you're in the shop, like putting stuff on the shelves, and you just like splinters glass everywhere. It's yeah, like, literally, yeah. But um, another nice thing is that Robbie said that he felt like for Ed it would be a full circle moment because one of the first albums Ed was ever bought uh, by his aunt was Life Through a Lens. Oh right. So I end up like Robbie ends up getting I really love where... the idea. <laughs> The idea that Robbie just at three AM emailed Ed Sheeran like, "You got any songs I can have it?" I love the like any spare hits. Yeah, <laughs> you check behind your couch, Ed. Any spare hits, mate? Check them out. Check them out. <laughs> yeah, just just lastly, while we're on Ed, I need to say this: he's so bad in Yesterday playing himself. Oh, I he's uh, like, I don't entirely agree on this. Yeah, I think I... he's. Awful. I think his first scene where he goes into the house with Amash Patel is so stranger. And I can't tell if it's because he's trying to play awkward, but I think it's more likely he's just bad in that scene. Yeah. But I think the scene where they have the songwriting competition and. Uh, I think Himesh he's Patel, better there. Yeah. I think, but the first scene is so bad that I can't ever look at him the same way that, again. In that scene, he just lets himself like be totally crushed. Like, yeah. And make him look like he's a terrible songwriter, which yeah. I like. I think that is fine. Lot. That is nice. And I do like that he does that. But I'm so angry at what has previously taken place that I can't ever forgive him. Yeah, so off off point, but yeah. Um everything okay? Yeah, yeah, that's just what was it? What was it? Oh yeah, I just can't bring myself to watch yesterday. I think I will hate it so much that it will be just a very bad experience. Uh, just one last Ed Sheeran thing. Robbie joined him on stage in Amsterdam Amsterdam during Ed's uh, Divide World Tour in twenty eighteen and they performed the duet of Angels. Ba ba la la ba ba Hotel Crazy. Yeah, Hotel Crazy. This track is amazing. This Rufus is, is back. Yeah. yeah, I wrote, this is certainly better than the last duet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Swings yeah. Both Ways is such a weird object, man. But yeah. this is And again, so I just, good. like, this was the last thing I was expecting from him. It's just so not what I would expect from a Robbie Williams album. The sound, the production work in this track is insane. It feels like you're in some sort of weird, rickety, rundown hotel in, yeah. like, Los Angeles that nobody goes to. It, the sonic palette here kicks ass. And Rufus Wainwright in the chorus is it's so amazing. good. It's such a good performance, yeah. So, like, to summarize the song, it's a song about, you know, mental illness and Robbie sort of, like, describing... I thought it was about rehab, but it's not really. He said it's, like, he feels at a point in his life where he's sort of lost a bit of control of his mental faculties. He described it as, like, oh, I'm heading into Hotel Crazy, or, like, talking about other people who are having problems. Like, oh, they're checked into Hotel Crazy for a bit. And uh, the song does that so well. It reminds me of Gorillaz. Yeah, I see that, yeah. Because the weird processing on like Robbie's vocals and the delivery is kind of dry like Damon. But what yeah. do you think, Nathan? I don't have that many takes on this. Sorry, I just thought it was pretty good. I was just kind of okay with it, yeah. Oh, I, Sorry, I, 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 I don't love it. I, for a lot of this, like, I'm so glad, I'm glad you guys are so happy about it. But for a lot of it, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. Maybe I just wasn't in the right place when I listened to it. But oh, man, I, I want to revisit this track, man. and Pretty Woman especially, now you told me all this. Mm. I, um, yeah, because I... 
like just running through the album it gets in blocks like, the first two tracks are fucking mental um, like I don't need to hear them like, like mixed signals I think is just actually good and finding out it's an actual killer song is kind of funny Love My Life I, I don't like and it's just not my life I like Motherfucker Motherfucker I find cringe but I do like it Bruce Lee Sensitive and uh, David's song I find like three of a kind I like really like them and then this like back stretch I guess maybe I just wasn't there mentally I guess because I didn't pick up on all these things you're talking about I just thought they were kind of like yeah were you checked into Hotel Crazy? I, I guess I checked into Hotel Crazy I think uh, me and John just need to gush about this track for a minute. Yeah, that's fine. Just I'm happy to listen. Let's gush away, John. Well, I mean, I, again, like as much as I love it, I don't have much to say other than that. It's just, it's just great. Like it just. I, you I, guys I, have fully, fully been like taken over yeah. by this album. It's kind of scary. <laughs> I, I, for this track, right? It's like. I can't believe you bought it. <laughs> just I, I, I didn't pay a lot for it. It was like four pounds. Oh, did you get it from like CX? No, it was off eBay. Okay. But like, so the track is the first Robin Williams track I've heard that includes like, I guess what you could call like creepy sounds, like this sort of detuned piano sounds, and this woman who speaks at various points, sort of from the perspective of a washed up actress, sort of protesting against the press, like she's not washed up, and with like this weird reverb and sound like it's coming through a telephone, it has this dreamy atmosphere that... Well, combined with the, the the big band stuff that comes towards the end, it just Man, feels like a little... I need to listen to this, because you're describing things that I love in songs. I think you'd really like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't pick any of this up. It takes a great trajectory, every part of it's great, the, the pre-chorus, the verse, the bridge, the outro. There's this repeated thing which is like holding on to something that's gone in the wind, which is repeated mm. in such a gorgeous way. It's, it's, it is a song that fully accomplishes everything it sets out to do in a way that... It's, it's multifaceted in a way that I haven't heard a Robbie Williams song do. And I think we should talk about. It. So, do you remember the sort of? Uh, she's credited as the diva legend who speaks um, in the start. It's like a woman being like, "The press are inferring in bold type these idiots and the minority." Yeah. Actually, that that sort of bit. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Recognize the voice? I did not. It's Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, okay. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Cool. Just like yeah. Okay. Go for it. I just love that. He, he got Helena... There's a great photo of them in the studio together. Like, Robbie just got Helena Bonham Carter on a track to do, like, a spoken word bit that she does really well because yeah. she's an actress. And, yeah. man. She's also done a lot of musical theatre stuff as well, hasn't she? Oh, so, yeah, like, she's going to be really good at that sort of, like, spoken word over instrumentation mm. sort of vibe. I, I just think everyone hits their mark on this track. Yeah. Rufus... The uh, first time I heard it, I thought it was Robbie singing, and then I realised in the credits it was Rufus, but... Man, Rufus yeah. is such a great. His delivery of the chorus is what really makes it. It's so amazing in the way it, it kind of like feels like lazy and like almost yeah. like mumbly, but yeah, it just it really completes the track. It's slow, like sleazy, and kind of has like campy cabaret quality to yeah. it too. This track just like man, this kicks ass in a way that no other Robbie Williams song kicks ass. Yeah. I'm not saying like it's his best, but it's like wow, it blows you away. You could say it's sensational, right? Hey, final track, sensational. Hung like a dolphin. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier in the show. Then this is where it comes back. Uh, you've been affectionate, you died, bunch of sluts, so disproportionate, loving you so much. I'm hung like a dolphin, maybe I've said too much, is the exact line. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot more to talk about than that line, but that line in particular uh, is on Genius, right? So I clicked on that line on Genius to be like, oh, I wonder what it says about that. And it says, weirdly enough, that actually dolphins' penises are quite large, which I don't think was what Robbie was going for. I think he was making a joke about him having a small mm -hmm. penis because nobody looks at dolphins and thinks, whoa, I've got a big dong on that thing. But then, I don't know why, includes a photograph of a dolphin penis. It's horrible. 
It looks really bad. I don't know why somebody would put that on a genius annotation. Nobody needs to know. I'll take your word if you tell me what a dolphin's penis looks like. I, but now, yeah, it's part of that. If you looked at bestiality, this episode passed But yeah, it's horrible. And there's weirdly enough, it's like a person's hand is next to it, so I think they coaxed it out. It's like the dolphin's hard. Dolphin's got a boner. That's my favorite Ray William Johnson song. <laughs> I think you'll find it's your favorite Martian. But... He's doing weird stuff on Facebook now. He's just like posting. He's like an ACAB guy. Like he's like burning Confederate flags and stuff. I mean, fair enough. He's... I... I guess that... It's just, like, it's interesting. Do you, do you remember when, like, the internet just collectively let that happen? <laughs> hey, forum! <laughs> <laughs> like, just an entire show revolving around, like, here's other stuff people, other people made that I didn't ask for. Yeah. I still kind of exists with the Daily Dose of Internet Guy. You ever seen any of those videos? They pop up. Uh, yeah, I don't watch them regularly, but I have seen them, yeah. It's like, the guy's delivery is insane. Hello, welcome to your Daily Dose of Internet. Your is not the word that should be stressed in that sentence. Yeah. That's a psychopathic thing to do, but... Let's take away from YouTube personalities and get back to sensational. The final track on the heavy and steam trouble was 2016. Yeah, yeah. This track kicks ass. Yeah, it's, it's, great it's very much of a piece with the title track, you know, clearly designed to be the closing track of a concert in the way that the title track is the opener. Yeah. Uh, it just it makes it feel like a really complete album experience. Yeah, like, that's the thing that I really like about yeah. it. Yeah, you're now departing the yeah. heavy entertainment show. Yeah, I, I have that vibe. The fact that it ends with I, this to me feels like the biggest sounding vocal moment of Robbie Williams' entire career. This gigantic thing where him and a bunch of other singers say, God bless you all, I love you so much, I love you so much, Alvida Zane. But it's yeah. delivered like like the most incredibly huge... It, it sounds like, the weirdly enough, the best Beatles stuff. Like It strikes me with the same feeling you get when the horns come I actually the think those vocals coming at the end are back to the Gallagher kind of twinge. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, there's got that sort of like, bless you all. Yeah. Like you can, yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, also saying Alvida Zane. Big fan. Uh, the the lyrics are very cheeky. He's sort of saying like, thanks to the audience stuff, how great they've been. And I like the part where he sort of essentially implies that he'd like to shag them, but he's got a wife now. Damn it. That, yeah. That's like that's a funny sort of thing. <laughs> Sorry, lads. But um, uh, it's it's just and then he's like, you've been amazing and amazing whatever. Now go away. That's such a baller move to be like your audience. Yeah, you've been great. Get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> But he said, like, in an interview, like, he, he thought people were getting offended by that, which I can't see anybody ever doing. Like, he's telling us to go away, which I, I think, I kind of think he made that up in his head. <laughs> I don't see any human being having that reaction of, like, wow, he's sincerely saying he wants his audience to go away, and that's a bad thing. I just, I don't know. Yeah. But um, I think the horns in this are great. Again, like the Heavy Entertainment Show, kind of a bookend thing, it's a sample. Oh. So the sort of the, do, 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 the sort of main horn riff in the chorus in the verse is, um... It's sampled from a Sammy Davis Jr. track called I'm Over 25 But You Can Trust Me, which is an insane track. It's essentially about him, not even like a romantic thing, he's just saying like, um, I want you young people to have, you know, I, I support the youth movements, the revolutions and all that stuff. It's just a weird track. And it only appears at the start. I think Robbie's use of it is way better. He, it feels like the ending of like a movie or something. It's got this triumphant thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm rambling on a bit here, but... When the chorus comes in, it struck me, like, it perfectly summarises my incredibly pleased reaction to this album, where he says, it's so unusual to feel this good. And I was like, yeah, it is unusual for a Robbie Williams album to make me this excited. And it just, man, this track kicks ass. It's like yeah. a perfect end cap to the thing. That is it. Yeah. The heavy entertainment show. You guys have massively talked me up on this album. 
I, I really like it. Yeah. Man. I really like it. Yeah, so I, I guess like moving into concluding concluding statements. If someone asked me for like one album to listen to to give them the Robbie Williams experience, the album that kind of has his level of weirdness and like the weird sexual stuff, but also has good Robbie Williams tracks, this is the one I would give them. 100%. I think this has proven to be the ultimate Robbie Williams album. Do you think it works like, just coming in from a baseline though? That's the question I have to ask. Can we not do. love this because we're like so prepared and ready and accepting of this? Because we, we. I honestly think we may be the biggest Robbie Williams fans in the world <laughs> at this point. Like, think about how much research you guys have done. Think about how much time we've spent listening to stuff. It's kind of insane. Well, like, talking about, you know, listening to that as, like, a first thing, I, I was doing, like, a couple of... That's a little thought experiment. I kind of realised that I reckon if he released this album in 2001 or 2002, he'd be the biggest pop star on the planet. I think it's just so huge and so accomplished and does such a great job of showcasing a wide variety of sounds that... It's it's this it's a shame that it came so late in his career because obviously yeah. like he's talked about he refers to his earliest part as the imperial phase where he was able to you know anything you put out would come to number one the sort of sing era yeah. that sort of part. but it's a shame that it's beyond that because I think that it's really an amazing consolidation yeah it's kind of like written off by default at this point I think by a lot of people like he's never going to get serious critical um, appraisal just because. He's Robbie Williams releasing his twelfth album like twenty years after he started. It's kind of expected that it's not going to be good, but I think if you like come into it willing to engage with the idea of Robbie Williams and his appeals, then it's I think like no question one of his best, if not his best. I think that it's it's a case where the length of it also really helps because it's only I mean we yeah. don't do the bonus tracks mm-hmm. in this, but um it's it's only forty minutes long, and it it feels like on other albums. There are parts where it really lags, and you know you're not really interested yeah, in it. For yeah, yeah, I definitely and, agree with that. But this really works, and it's because he talks about his plan for the album. He said he wanted an album that was just ten singles. Yeah. And this is it for me. This is wall to wall bangers. I yeah. I completely see like that as an approach, and it makes you think like, why has he never done this before? Mm. It sounds like it was almost like he did. He just decided, okay, I'm gonna do a really good album this time. But the way he talks about it, it's like. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. he said before it'd be like I'd record 16 tracks and then just sort of shove them on a record and I'd be like okay that's enough he just was thinking about filling the record but here he you know is like I'm going to do 10 tracks and they're going to be great he ended up doing 11 uh, you know and the 11th ended up being Pretty Woman because he was yeah. like worried about getting a hit a song he didn't release a single yeah. which is really weird but um uh, the single picks are so bad on this album I just yeah it's weird but um yeah, it, it just feels like a really tight kind of thing. Uh, there was one more thing I was going to say about it. No, that was it. Yeah, the fact that it's like, you know, wall to wall, great, uh, just bangers, singles, whatnot. But um, you can really see every track of this working uh, as a single, I think. I mean, there's some like David's song, maybe not, but I think it's the batting average for this is insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only song... Why party like a Russian, though? That's something that always keeps circling around the toilet bowl of my yeah. brain. Because it's like. It's a similar thing to Rudebox. Yeah, it's, it is this album's Rudebox. It's so alienating. Why does he keep doing this? <laughs> uh, uh, ratings? 8 out of 10 for me. 8 out of 10, and I I, I keep going back and forth between this and Rudebox for his best. Yeah, album. I'm the same with this in reality. I, th- I feel like I'm probably going to end up putting this on top. It, for me, it's like Rudebox. I, I just I really like it like on like a personal level, because mm-hmm. it feels like... It's the experience of something that's really sprawling, and even the parts you don't like so much, they're part of the collage, so they sort of work. Yeah. It feels like a White Album Beatles kind of thing. But with this, it's so focused, and every track is so good. It's just, I, I can't really decide, but I think that it's absolutely top two. Yeah. I'm going to go six and a half. However, 
I am going to vow to revisit the second half of this album and have a second listen because I do feel like you have been overtaken by the heavy entertainment show. There are there are genuine albums that are just growers. Like it just it, it just is yeah. a thing that is true. It's like, it's like I say I've been listening to this album kind of on and off regularly for like ten months now. Yeah. So I've had a lot of time to sit with it and really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. some, like I, I do feel like it can be quite like it's an easy defense mechanism, right? Like you, you new artist release an album, and like a load of people don't like it, and you really like it, and you you'd be like, oh no no, it's a grower. It has to grow on you. And it's like no, you're just using that as an excuse for something that they, that they don't like, but you do. But like, I genuinely feel like this is a grow of an album. Like I feel like the more time you do spend with this, the more you get rewarded by it. Yeah, repeated listens have really worked yeah. out well for me. I, I, one thing about the album that I think I, I wrote in my notes that I, I think applies quite heavily to it, it feels like the Robbie that exists in our heads has finally been realised on record. Yeah. Like, the chaotic Robbie that is has accumulated from all the press stories that we've got, that sort of mania has finally been expressed in musical form. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's Robbie realised, basically. And... Yeah. It's just really, really good. And yeah, I think you should listen to it more. I, honestly, it's, it's one of the most enjoyable first time listening experiences I've had this year like I've been so pleasantly surprised by this album I can I mean each each like repeated listen because for the pod I have to listen to the albums all the time sometimes it feels like a slog but this one it just felt like going back to an album that I love and have known for a yeah. long time have we got some some RA some Robbie antics oh boy do we yeah so talk about the release of the album briefly uh, 4th November 2016 so just a few days before Trump is elected interestingly mm. Uh, it's, <laughs> Cheers for that. Real keep the vibe up. Uh, it's re- released under Sony's Columbia Records, so he's on a new deal now. Uh, he signed with them earlier in the year. Previously, he was at Universal. Uh, debuts at number one on the UK charts. It's his twelfth number one, equaling Madonna this time. It's the weird thing. There's always the ongoing chart battle between Robbie and Elvis, like who has the most number one albums, because Elvis keeps releasing new albums that get to number one. So like Robbie overtook him last album, but Elvis released a couple more. That went to number one and overtook him again. So, Why has he got to do that? Yeah. He's dead, right? Yeah, he's dead. So they don't count. Like, come on. Well, they, they do towards the stat, but that's yeah. so messed up. Like, they're just As like if Robbie's in an enthralled <laughs> chart battle with a dead man. <laughs> oh, that Robbie Williams is overtaking him again. Fire the Elvis missiles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dead. Uh, but it's the fourteenth best-selling album of twenty sixteen in the UK. Again, impressive because only had a couple months of the year. Uh, receives mixed to positive critical reception, which again fairly par for the course for him. Enemy do like it a lot; they give it a four out of five. Which is, <laughs> I have the exact same ratings for Enemy so far for all this stuff. So I, I, do I? I don't know. But yeah, I probably disagree with it. After moot point, bad point, point that I don't even know. I said something anyway. But um, oh, what was it? there was something about this. There was something about this. Oh yeah, there's a great part on the Graham Norton interview where he he talks about. Um, the album success. In fact, it might not be a Graham Norton interview. There's a great part on the talk show where he talks about the album success and the whole Elvis record. So, like him at that point, he was tied with Elvis for you know the record for most like number one albums. And there's this part where he looks in the audience and says, "That woman there just had an expression like, no, that can't be right, can it?" <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell he kind of thinks it himself because it's just like nobody can think, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm Robbie Williams, and I'm better than Elvis." Like you can. <laughs> The guy wrote a tribute song to him. It wasn't like, cheer up, little brother. I'm carrying your torch. It was like, no, Robbie Williams does not consider himself in the same airspace as Elvis. But, God, how do we even structure these antics? Because there's a lot. Uh, So I have a couple things. I have one more thing I'll talk about, and then the tour, and then I have kind of a timeline of promo we can go over. 
uh, which is to mention now, he is the recipient of the Brit Icon Award at the 2017 British you Ceremony. told me this. This is the thing that he won. It's kind of a nice bit in End, right? Because this is the thing that at his lowest moment, Oasis win, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing about it. Um, he's only technically the third person to receive this award because Elton John and David Bowie got it the previous two years. But it's technically just a reskin of the Outstanding Contribution to Music Award that he had already won in 2010. So he's technically getting a second Lifetime Achievement Award from the Brits. Nice. And they both co- <laughs> they both coincide with album releases, which is the thing. So it feels like more of a promo thing to me than anything else. Imagine in two Lifetime Achievement Awards. He's not on the, the only same one. board as well. <laughs> like uh, both Elton John and Bowie, who got the Brit Icon Award, also had the Outstanding Contribution to Music Award. Ah, fair. <laughs> Man, they, the Brits they just, are so fucking dumb. They don't do that award at all anymore. They stopped doing it. Yeah, I find it so They don't do a lifetime one anymore. They nope. chop and change like their awards. They're, they're changing things up a lot for the next version of it. They've cut like a lot of awards. BTS fans are really angry because they've got rid of the best international group category. Mm. It's kind of the first year that BTS could have won it. Um, they're replacing they're, it with like two categories of best guy and best dude. The, they're apparently so, focusing more on live performances. They really want to like give the stage to the artist to let them do what they want to do. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, you get some yeah. good Brit performances. I mean, we were looking at some the other night. Yeah. But yeah, during that ceremony, he performs Heavy Entertainment Medley, where he does uh, the title track, uh, Love My Life, and Mixed Signals. Uh, it's pretty good, I think. There's a, I saw a news article where apparently one of the backing dancers' boobs pops out at one point. Her boob- <laughs> boobies come out. But... High five. See, that's why I wanted to watch it. So he does that during the actual show, but then, like, post-show, when it's not televised, it's just everyone in the room, he also does an additional performance, and he does feel. But for half of the performance, his mic is turned off. And it seems like he doesn't really realise it, so you just see him, like, on the screens looking kind of confused, that nobody's really reacting to him. And it's just a feel instrumental playing, and nobody can hear him. Oh, that's such a shame. Uh, but also, at this point in time, the Brits don't seem to be that big of a deal to him, because he apparently gave one of his old ones to Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Fair play. I, I did remember seeing that Brits medley thing live. Well, not, you know, I wasn't there, but it was on TV when I was watching the Brit Awards at the time. And it just felt weird that after, you know, a show where, I think, you know, people like Stormzy Skeptical, like modern artists were being, modern British artists. That was a show where 1975 did the sound, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and oh, it did that it? really cool thing where they cut in the yeah. complaints. It, actually, Robbie Williams' band didn't get their own dressing rooms because in 1975 had a choir with them. And they ended up taking up all the rooms, so like Robbie Williams' band had to just stay in the showers or something. Get owned. I mean that. Isn't they just cut the complaints from? It's from the video. They just did the music. Yeah, video yeah. Live, yeah. But, but like people didn't realize because they so hadn't fun. seen the music video, so they were like, "Has Channel Four been hacked?" <laughs> it's like no. The worst part was like when you see teenagers who are so like into a band that they essentially think they matter more than like the moon landing. So yeah. it's like you had people who are nineteen seventy five fans who were like. Actual 1975 haters infiltrated the Channel 4 thing. It's like, like, what do you, what do you think this is? Inspector Gadget 2? <laughs> Get real. Sorry about that sneeze in the middle of that. But no, I'm fully like sneezing to Shutter. Like it's the most, yeah. it's the best thing for it. Oh, definitely. Like it feels like you know, like what? Like, what is getting out? Describe where the exit points are. Exactly. All right, enough sneeze talk. <laughs> but yeah, uh, good performance so, actually by the 1975 as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but, but he. Oh, oh, sorry, I forgot. The thing I was going to say about that was it felt very odd at the time, before I got Robbie pilled, <laughs> that it was showing an act who I kind of thought, you know, he's kind of been and gone, and he was receiving so much attention, and his entire persona during that performance was very odd. So he's got a bunch of uh, scantily clad dancers walking past him like, like, like a catwalk, yeah. kind of, 
and he does this sort of embarrassed like mm, naughty schoolboy wave and sort of like weird thing where he bites his lower lip and looks like a maniac not like that not like sexy he's like he mm. thrusts at one point oh yeah he does love a Robbie thrust but it was in the press they said it was a disaster and when you watch it it's not it's not bad it's kind of going through the songs a bit too quickly but it was that yeah I, actually I specifically looked out performances of mixed signals because I was curious how we would deal with it live um, and I think he does it pretty yeah. well because like, I expect it to be much much worse than it actually is he, he's actually capable of it but the performance of the rap, it was good but the thing is that was what turned me on to the title track the Heavy Entertainment Show when I heard those horns I was like there's something going on here and that's what led me to listen to that Serge Gainsbourg track it sampled but that was one of my first steps towards like entering the Robbie verse yeah back in 2016 no 2017 that was but yeah it's a uh, it was an interesting performance sorry John I'm taking no, so after that, he embarks on the Heavy Entertainment Show Tour, which is 48 shows across Europe, Oceania, and the Americas. Uh, begins in June 2017, he does all the Europe shows that year, and then it ends in November 2018. He does all the other places in 2018. It makes an estimated $62 million off the 2017 shows alone, so that's only the Europe ones, uh, which makes it the 25th highest grossing tour of 2017. Uh, just another little fact take that with 39th on that list Oof. so Robbie is ahead of them and take that had more shows as well and made less money <laughs> ouch um, he is however exposed by the Victoria Derbyshire show on t- on BBC for putting tickets directly on resale sites oh, like his management awesome. sell directly to like StubHub and stuff like that which obviously is very shitty and causes some controversy uh, as for the live show itself all performances begin with the track The National Anthem of Robbie, which we'll talk about next week on Under the Radar. Oh my it's god. released as its own track. Um, it also has, I, I think it must be the voice of Michael Buffer, or it's a really good impersonator, giving an, a big introduction as though it's the boxing match. That's kind of the big yeah. image they ran with. The stage design is either side of the stage. You have massive like cutouts of Robbie with fists up that like act as the screens for the show. You have images and graphics that flash on it as, as he's performing. And at one point in the show, there's a giant arm with a boxing glove on it. He sits on it and like goes over on top of the crowd. Nice. Uh, it, it's a pretty cool setup, as he usually does. Uh, his outfit for this tour is interesting as well. So he begins the show wearing a red boxing robe, which has the Illuminati symbol on it. Um, <laughs> oh. And then he takes it off, and he's always wearing uh, like a black tank top kind of thing and a kilt, a black kilt with a red star on it. And he lifts it up intermittently throughout the show to reveal that he's wearing the tiger pants from the nice. CJ video. Cool. It's a weird outfit. I've seen a lot of footage. It's not mm. exactly flattering. No. I, I, it's just a weird look that I, I don't even know how to describe it. It has an air, like an air of dinner lady to it. It's, <laughs> it's a really weird vibe. <laughs> your ma's a dinner lady. Your dad's Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> your uncle is... <laughs> your uncle sells drugs. Oh, God. The chorus of that should have... Sorry. No, uh, but he, he performs Motherfucker Live on this tour, and the ending of it transitions into the outro of Hey Jude. So he covers, oh. he covers the outro of Hey Jude, and while he does this, the massive screen behind him is covered by a parody of the Sgt. Pepper's album cover, where instead of lots of different figures, that's all the different versions of Robbie. Yeah. So you have like the CGI Robbie from the Let Love Be Your Energy. Uh, with his or not? No, you don't see his <laughs> no. no. But it's a very good image. Um, he ends up having to cancel some shows in Russia that he had planned because he, he, he starts getting some severe headaches, uh, like his arm goes numb, he starts uncontrollably dribbling and he has trouble breathing and he gets scanned and what looks like abnormalities are found on his brain. So it's like fairly severe. Blood uh, maybe, like... He he goes into intensive care for a few days. 
Dum. <laughs> Let's laugh while this man is in serious uh, issues. No, but after a week, it clears up like it was nothing, and he ends up being free to go. Okay. Uh, but just to do like a little Robbie's health corner, because there are quite a few things we can talk about <laughs> at this point. He reveals he has arthritis in his back now, which causes a lot of issues for him uh, when he's on stage. I think he pretty much like always has like a kind of throne or chair set up on stage now when he tours, so if he needs to, he can just sit down and perform. Are you saying that he can't get his back up? Okay. Uh, this kid. Like, over this period of, like, a couple of years as well, he's also very open about his mental health issues, uh, talking about stuff like depression, anxiety, weight issues, panic attacks, self-doubt, all that stuff. Um, he posts an image of, online of a split lip he has, which he claims he got from a fight he lost with his computer. <laughs> Did you just it, fall into it? Like it's, it's a massive gash, too. It's, like, quite deep. I don't like Ida posts it and she's like, "Here's Robbie after losing a fight with his computer." And I, like, well, I don't have, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Uh, he still like constantly has the tabloids commenting on his weight, and it does appear that at certain points he has gained weight. Uh, and he claims that his weight gain is due to a lack of sex with strangers. That's the reason he does. <laughs> he lost his main form of cardio. Uh, he, do, he in 2018 he does become a Weight Watchers ambassador, and he starts losing weight through that. And he posts videos for like to this day, like they're a regular feature on his social media feeds. Okay. Uh, he reveals that he ha- has had Botox and fillers and is now long- no longer able to move his forehead anymore. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Oh, you can kind I of think he's kind of joking when he says, like, oh, okay. he's probably exaggerating, but he definitely has had work done. There is like a bit of a, it is a shame, but there is like a kind of a lack of movement mm-hmm. you can perceive. Like... Uh, and he also reveals that he's suffering from a nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder, where in the middle of the night he uncontrollably will get up and eat. Apparently that's a thing that is real but yeah uh so talking more specifically about like the promo cycle and like everything that happens from before the album releases to the end of the cycle september 2016 he reveals that he has recorded another song with kylie minogue oh did he it's called, this time? It's called disco symphony nathan <laughs> it's called disco symphony and he says he's saving it in his back pocket to be released next year to date this song has not been released so there is apparently a robbie williams kylie collaboration that just hasn't been released yet um, it's also reported by The Sun, so take it with a grain of salt, that this song is co-written by Jimmy Carr. Oh, actually, And no. Jimmy Carr does have a writing credit on one of the bonus tracks for this album. That is a collab that I was not prepared yeah. for. Uh, so it could be legit. Um, it's just very strange, regardless. Oh, it's called Disco Symphony. Like, there is no yeah. question that that's going to be an insane, amazing track. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear that. For promo for Heavy Entertainment, he appears on the Australian radio show, The Kyle and Jackie O Show, and they kind of mention this collaboration, and they get to talking about Kylie Minogue, uh, and they're talking about how she's recently appeared on that show, and then Robbie asks the hosts, maybe you could get her. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could get her to cut her pubes and send them to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why did he say that? In what context? Uh, I think they opened the show talking about how like they maybe cut some of Robbie's pubes off in the past episode. So I think that's the link he's trying to make. But what? it gets reported on that like, Robbie asked for Kylie's pubes <laughs> without the context. I mean, I don't know if there's any good context He, he does immediately apologise for it. <laughs> But... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, bad Robbie. Sorry, sorry Kylie. I know I've multiple times talked about giving you oral sex, but could you also send me your pubes? Oh, I'm really sorry. It's just, it's just bizarre that he's such a weirdo about her in public, and yet yeah. he managed to do another song with her, apparently. <laughs> yeah, like, how did he convince her to come back? Like, what was that conversation? I, I just... It, it baffles me, because, like, 
it, it feels like there are a couple of things that make this this whole press tour feel like Robbie's fully got his mojo back of being an insane maniac. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been a while since we've had to talk about Kylie Minogue's sex stories, so <laughs> you can tell you, you can tell that's a full that's a full circle there. It's very good. Well, speaking of Robbie Williams insane maniac, at the end of September twenty sixteen he appears on the Graham Norton show. Oh my god. Which is to promote the album. I just want to throw it out that we've talked about it before. That is a combination to die for. Yeah. A Graham Norton Robbie Williams interview is always gonna produce something. I think I okay, so well, he's on the couch next to Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick, and Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Yes. Timberlake's there. Timberlake yes. is there, yes. <laughs> Please <laughs> tell me that's very funny. Are you gonna show him the picture of them sat? Yeah. There's yeah. a Matthew got a screen cap of them sat on the couch and it's just it, it's very funny. The seating arrangement is quite telling. I I really struggle to imagine how Anna Kendrick would process Robbie <laughs> Williams' existence. I swear, don't. I think earlier in the episode they might talk, have talked about like actually having known each other before, but I can't. I can't so strange. But, I'm um, not saying she wouldn't take well to him. She's just very, you know, like nice. But oh, I've got some messages coming through. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, we talked. Show about... me the image. Okay. Show me the image. I just stumbled upon one of the images. <laughs> so this is how they were sat during this episode. <laughs> so for context of the audience we'll, we'll tweet it we'll tweet it well I just want to say yeah yeah like, yeah everyone is a million miles away from Robbie they are bunched oh, up in the corner that is very sad Robbie is right on the edge you can see Justin angling his body like there's a magnetic field keeping <laughs> yeah. him away from him like he's nearly sitting on Anna's lap. Like his head's, <laughs> his head's in the right place, but his lap is like so far to the right. Oh, it's it, it yeah, it's oh, man. And this isn't even this is before. This is just when he appears. Yeah. So this episode spawns a major, major Robbie story. Um, it begins with Robbie being asked by Graham what the weirdest thing a fan has given him is, and he responds with his typical answer he's given a lot over the years, which is herpes. Um, at this point, Justin Timberlake kind of mocks, stands up, and gets like goes yeah. to walk away. So like, I don't want to be near him. Uh, but Robbie responds with a very good joke. He says, "Justin knows you can't get it twice," <laughs> <laughs> which is very good. <laughs> but that then leads on to Robbie telling the story, which I have transcribed. I don't know if you want to read it instead. Could you say the the line? I'll read it. You, if you want. No, no, no. no you no, can no. read this. <laughs> you know, I, there's just a line with you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, John has typed up this story in its entirety. <laughs> okay, so, so... So, Robbie says, Oh my god, I can't believe I'm telling this, but I will. So, back in the day, I was renting a castle, right? And we were renting it to rehearse for a tour. And I was in this big room in this castle. I'd gone to sleep and I'd woke up and I was lying on my bed. I was cognizant and awake, but I hadn't opened my eyes yet. I was getting more and more confused because I could swear there was somebody in my room. I could swear they were sort of tidying up or cleaning or something. And sure enough, I opened my eyes and there was a lady at the bottom of the bed. Now, she could have been anywhere from 28 to 58 and she's got this headset on. It's got sellotape on. The lead went down to a cassette player. Now we're in the days of CD at this time and I'm like, wow, this situation's really odd. But you've just woke up so you don't really know what's going on. And she looks at me and I look at her and I went, all right. And she went, all right. And she looked at the floor where my underpants were. And she said, Calvin Klein's. And I went, yeah. She went, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so she, 
calls she, him a pussy. She calls him a pussy yeah. for wearing Calvin Klein's. And and he, he describes her as having like a thick like Yorkshire accent, kind of. Yeah. Oh, so she speaks like this. Right, I'll, yeah, it's kind of like a corn kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, this is definitely really weird. And she went, have you got morning glory? <laughs> Why did a West Country accent? That's, she, that's the accent. That is, yeah, that that is it. it does a West yeah, Country yeah. accent. Okay. Just to be clear so you guys know, West Country, south of England, Yorkshire, north of England. Yes. yes. Um, this, at the Morning Glory line, this is the expression that Graham Norton makes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also tweet that. Yes. Oh my, yeah, but... <laughs> okay, okay. So, this woman... This story could go so many places from here. And I think it's only going to go well. <laughs> the age... So this woman, who's anywhere from 28 to 58, <laughs> she says, Have you got Morning Glory? And this is back in the day when I used to have Morning Glory. So I was like... And he looks under the bedsheet, says, Nob, and he's like, Yeah. She says, I'll wank you off. So, I'm a creative fella. I'm really young. I can close my eyes and pretend it's someone else. So I was like, yeah, go on then. So anyway, 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 she does. She, she does the dirty deed and it's confusing and I felt defiled. And um, she went on her merry way. And that night I was with the lady that ran the castle. <laughs> it was her job to run the castle. I said, do you know what? Your cleaner's weird. And she said, oh, what do you mean? And I said, the cleaner that came in today, she's weird. She said... We don't have cleaners on a Wednesday. <laughs> it was just somebody that had walked off in the street with a feather duster, come up, give me a hand job, and then left. <laughs> but not only that, cut to like three years later, I'm with my band, and I'm like, and it was just a lady that had come up, give me a hand job, and left. And my guitarist went, that's Maureen from the pub. She said she, said she did that, but nobody believed her. <laughs> and the expressions... That's Maureen from the pub. The expressions that are made during this are some of the best I have ever, ever, ever seen anyone I'm make. gonna have to watch this interview. So, so Anna Kendrick, towards the end of it, just is like this. An expression of true, pure horror on her face. And just when Robbie mentions the fact that she's suggesting that she jacks him off, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best face I've ever seen. There is, okay, so, Obviously, that's an insane story, right? Yeah. The mood, it's like its like Robbie Williams has taken in something from an extra dimension onto the Graham Norton show. Because this story is so graphic and unpleasant and strange, it sours the entire room. Really? Graham Norton's confused, Anna Kendrick is horrified, Daniel Radcliffe is chuckling away like Ryan Gosling when he found out they didn't get the La La Land award. Honestly, especially for like Timberlake and like Kendrick, this must be so weird. Like... <laughs> this could American never happen shows. in America. No, like uh, the re there's a reason Daniel Radcliffe is laughing. Well, it's a pretty regular episode of the Graham Norton Show. You ask me. When he's done telling the story, Daniel Radcliffe says it's the best possible story that could have been told. And <laughs> Timberlake says that it shitted on his President Obama story. So I'm guessing he told about an anecdote about Obama earlier in the episode. Yeah. Uh, Graham calls it a lovely, lovely story, and then Robbie kind of sheepishly waves at the camera and says, "Hi, kids." <laughs> But he's so Robbie's demeanor before this is weird because like you know Graham asks him about the you know what is the weirdest thing about giving you whatever and Robbie starts off by going he he says like oh my god I can't believe I'm doing this but will oh my god oh my god oh my god and it's like if you ever see somebody talk about something they really do want to talk about that pretend like yeah 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 I really don't want to tell this story where a random woman jacks me off but I'm gonna <laughs> and Justin's thing throughout the whole thing he so Anna Kendrick is horrified. Justin Timberlake is terrified. <laughs> There's this thing, like, I'm sure his eyes grow wild and mad, and he just sort of doesn't know how to deal with this horrific situation that's been. 
<laughs> Robbie, Robbie making very people who are very more famous than him <laughs> on TV national like national TV uncomfortable is what I live for. Yeah, then after that he goes and performs party like a Russian. <laughs> Which I'm so upset there isn't just a camera focused on Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick <laughs> capturing their live reaction to that song. Yeah. That is something I'd love to see. But I guess it really is a moment where you have a Graham Norton episode with Robbie performing Party Like a Russian with Justin Timberlake in the room. Like that's exposed that's Justin Timberlake being exposed to real culture. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that is that is a real moment for the Justin Timberlake theories of of, of previous episodes. It, I, it, and it also, this is nice. Things are tying up. Yeah, this is a real like, a lot yeah. of circles are getting completed here. But so, I mean, I I don't think you need to watch the video really because the way that it. It, it's like Robbie it's like Robbie's possessed or something everyone reacts in a very disturbed way to this because you know it yeah. crosses the line so much and it becomes a thing yeah so it, it's obviously uploaded like to the Graham Norton YouTube channel as a lot of highlights are yeah 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 um, but eventually BBC removed the clip because it apparently gets a really high level of complaints to the extent that according to Robbie in his book MPs were also asking questions about it so, like, this went to government, Robbie Williams' handjob story. <laughs> Which makes it the second political issue he has on this album after the party. Robbie is him. really getting himself into deep water here. Well, who the fuck cared? Well, it, it, the thing is, it really is surreal. Like, it, it genuinely feels like... That's a, kind of the charm yeah, of the great Norton funny, story. Like, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. it is. But it, it also does feel like... And I think it's also because of the people in the room. It does feel like a palpable crossing of a line. It feels like at some point has been the event horizon has been crossed over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you you can see why it had like such a reaction. The only way we found it is that luckily an Anna Kendrick fan channel um, put up the entire episode because Anna Kendrick's in it. Weirdly enough, they cut party like a Russian. The performance. Yeah, it would have been copyright. Yeah, exactly. So, so we we have no. We, it's really annoying, but we have no record of that. Uh, that at least we found it. Might be out there, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a real good moment. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Uh, I could talk about a couple of other anecdotes Robbie talks about on this press tour. He tells a good Bono, Bono story. Uh, he said he'd taken drug, Robbie had taken drugs on the night out and then later visited Bono's house. Uh, he said, I remember a great psychedelic time by psychedelic I mean mushrooms. I arrived at Bono's house, let's say I was already elsewhere. I was looking at the best painting in the world I'd ever seen. My mouth dropped to the floor thinking, wow, Bono has the best painting I've ever seen. Then Bono appeared. I told him, hey, you got the best painting I've ever seen. And Bono says, Robbie, you're looking at the window. <laughs> That's fucking great. Uh, Robbie also talks about a potential duet he was going to have with Morrissey. Oh. Uh, I don't think this was at this point in time. I think it was a good few years earlier, but he talks about the story at this point. Uh, he's not sure where the initial idea came from, but he was told that Morrissey wanted to duet if Rob would agree to Morrissey's two stipulations. They sing one of his songs, uh, which was a song called I Like You. I don't know if he ever released it on his own at any point. Um, but at the end, he wanted them to kiss like Britney and Madonna. Uh, I think perhaps Morrissey thought that the second request would kill the idea. He was like putting out there as a joke, like, of course, Robbie's not going to do this. But Rob immediately agrees. Yeah, there's no chance yeah. he wouldn't do That's it. That's right up Robbie's yeah. shit. He said, I was bang up for that. Kissing Morrissey, that would have been great because he's got like a, a fiercely brilliant face. You know, watching the idolatry that surrounds him, thousands and thousands of straight men, I think, would sleep with Morrissey. And I might not sleep with Morrissey, but I'd have a cuddle, a cuddle and a kiss. It would have been amazing, but it was not to be. I think he was probably maybe a bit bluffing. Maybe, but I wasn't. 
I'd have wrestled him to the floor and dominated him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'd get a kick of thinking he tried to call my bluff. But I'm unbluffable when it comes to stuff like that. I think it might have been something that he considered that day and then quickly rescinded like he does. Um, which then leaves that there was an assessment of Robbie Williams that Morrissey gave to the Word magazine two years before that. Uh, which Rob says is a fantastic quote about him, uh, even though it's horrible. Morrissey said was personally, I think that almost everything about Robbie Williams is fantastic, apart from the voice and the songs. <laughs> he seems to have everything in place. The photos are fantastic. He's reasonably amusing. He's undeterred and he's not precious about what he does. I admire all of that, except the voice and the songs. <laughs> That's pretty good. He's great, for except the one thing he's known for. Uh, so we obviously just briefly touched on Robbie's sexuality again there. In November 2016, he does a big interview with Attitude magazine, which is a big gay magazine. Uh, he poses naked for the cover, uh, which he's, I think he said was fairly empowering for him, that like people would even want to see him like that. Uh, but he is asked about his uh, sexuality in the interview. And like we've touched on like the odd <coughs> quote from here in other episodes, but I feel like we may as well just do it all here to get it all in one. He says, there was a time where if you put Robbie Williams into Google, it said gay. When I stopped being Robbie Williams gay, I wondered what had happened. I was raised in a society where gay was a thing you leveled at somebody you wanted to hurt the most. So then being exposed to this world that I loved being a part of, I took my first ecstasy at a gay club, had the most incredible time. But also because of the homophobia that is out there, I was sort of left as a 21-year-old going, actually, I don't hate the gay. Does that mean I'm gay too? I was 21 or 22 and I was like, oh, that must mean I'm somewhat gay in some sort of way. The truth is, is with me and gay is that I can't get around the cock thing. You know I have crushes, big male crushes, a lot. I crush a lot. But I just can't do the cock. I don't enjoy looking at mine that much, so I can't get around that bit. And if I could, I, I would have, because I like sex, I would have liked being able to have it on tap. So it's kind of interesting, because I think it touches on the psychology of why you played around with being gay in a way that we haven't really seen yet. I think... Where it's this almost <laughs> internalised homophobia for him to think that, well, if I enjoy these things, I, I guess I have to be gay. Yeah, I Obviously, think... you played with it a lot more. The first half of that quote mm -hmm. is really good, and I was like, wow, that's a really deep psychoanalysis of, like, why you would maybe feel like you could be gay when mm -hmm. you're not. Like, the understanding that gay isn't bad, so therefore, like, am I? Like, the, the consideration becomes that it's possible, so I haven't considered this, so it could be. The second half of that quote, like, come on, man. <laughs> I do love that. I don't even like looking at mine that much. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Like, the idea that he really hates looking at his own dick. That's why he runs away at the end of the Let Me Entertain You video. Where he looks in his trousers yeah. and then turns and runs off. <laughs> Wow, he got scared. Come in full circle. <laughs> uh, in November 2016, he speaks about Liam Gallagher. He oh says, God, here we go. He knows exactly what he wants and how he wants to do it. He's steadfast with all of that. Uh, is he writing by himself? I've been watching the stuff that he's been doing as regards to the new documentary, which is referencing Supersonic, which just came out at that point. I think he's been incredibly funny, incredibly charismatic, really watchable. I've got a bit of a man crush on him at the moment, actually. I'm looking forward to his album. It would be fucking amazing if we worked together but I don't think he's got it together enough to allow himself to do that. He's not going to work with fucking Robbie Williams. It's really unfortunate for me because I'd love it, and it would shock the world for a day. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of... Does Liam ever reply? Uh, we'll maybe get to that at some point. Okay. But not this episode, but it is interesting that he seems to not be as hateful oh, towards him. Wait, he plays at Manchester like thingy concert, doesn't he? Um, One Love Manchester. Yeah. 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 Yes, that is yeah. Uh, around this time, yeah. Okay, it's a bit later, isn't it? I think it's more like 2017. It's, yeah, it's like mid-2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in December 2016, 
he gives an interview where he reveals that he tried to work with both Bruno Mars and Max Martin, the Swedish hip hop oh, wow. producer, and they both just didn't return his calls. He tried to get in contact with him, and he was just completely blanked. That is a shame. Yeah, it kind of makes sense there. Because <laughs> anyone with a Max Martin hit, that's like that instant. That's how the weekend got his first number one. Is it? Uh, like, oh, uh, you know, I can't feel my face. That was a. Oh, is that a Max, Max Martin? Martin one? Yeah. And then also in December 2016, slash January 2017. Robbie performs Robbie Rock's Big Ben Live, which is the yearly um, New Year's Live concert that BBC does. Oh. It's, a, it's a massive deal, obviously, because it's what's on TV yeah. as it changes. It's a massive televised event. Uh, he does like half the gig before the fireworks, half afterwards. Um, after the first half, so basically the way it goes is he's singing Feel and he walks off stage and then walks over to Melvin O'Doom, who's like presenting the whole thing. And he talks about his book, like, how weird and jarring it was that he's singing, 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 and then he just stops and has to be interviewed by someone. And I think it kind of throws off his composure a bit. But he does, unfortunately, throughout the whole interview, call Melvin O'Doom Marvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Including on, at one point where he chants, Marvin, Marvin. <laughs> Why would he do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, which isn't the best look. He gets made. He gets made fun of a lot on social media yeah. this night because a lot of people are watching it. But even more so for what also happens uh, after the fireworks. Uh, at one point, he like goes down to the crowd and holds holds hand holds hands with um, some of the fans there. And it's interesting because this story is now. I feel like the past few months have reframed this in an entirely different light, where what he does seems very normal. He's seen on stage putting hand sanitizer on after touching hands with uh, the audience. And the tabloids hate this. It's another thing of, oh, look how much better Robbie is than everyone else. Like, he touches the lowly people, now he has to put hand sanitizer on. He said that if you actually, like, if the broadcast didn't cut away from certain parts, you would see that he was, like, very exaggeratedly, like, doing it to try and be, like look joking. like a dickhead, yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because I feel like now, even though that's completely normal, like, of course you're going to use hand sanitizer yeah. after I, that. I, this, is, I, this is such a thing that's been spoken about. But, like, I do genuinely feel uncomfortable when I watch people touching things mm-hmm. that have been pre-recorded. Like, something in my brain mm. just, like, triggers as, like, no, 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 this can't happen. Like, even in TV shows, you see people hug and you're like... And when no. you hear a cough, it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird, yeah. Obviously, obviously now you'd have to do that. But you wouldn't even be allowed to touch them now, but... Uh, but yes, yeah, so that causes some amount of controversy. But Robbie now does sell Robbie Williams branded hand sanitizer on his store. That's fucking Good great. Yeah. Weirdly enough, that's kind of a dormant seed that's been kicking around for a while. On Handsome Man from Escapology, mm-hmm. he has the line, it's nice to meet you, now let me go and wash my hands. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. a sort of self I think there's nothing wrong with what he did. No, not at all. It's literally just a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, you just touched a load of people. Just just clean your hands. Yeah, the like, law, you know, that'll hold him in court. Yeah. Uh, in January 2017, he sells his Beverly Hills mansion... Just got what you said. Dollars. Sorry. Okay, okay, we need to... We need to... <laughs> you have to redo that, but I just got what you said. <laughs> yeah, okay. In January 2017, he sells his Beverly Hills mansion uh, for $10 million. Uh, I'm not sure how he handled the reveal of who he sells it to. Well, okay, Nathan. Tom Cruise. He, he ah. sells his house so he can buy another one. He sells his house to DJ Carlos. Yes, <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so DJ DJ Carlos now owns Robbie Williams' house, and it's really funny because if you look back at the old MTV Cribs episode that Robbie's on, you can see him like parading around this house, being like, "Hey, look at this!" And I saw this recent video. It was like, 
Gigi Khaled's new house picks revealed and it's just wow yeah that's from the Robbie Williams Cribs episode <laughs> it's really like weird it's a nice house nice house yeah but, sure um, 10 million dollars yeah it's just so does funny he, that... does he move out of LA completely or does, uh, he, does he genuinely mm, buy another one no it's I think he, it's another house in LA he gets okay he does around this he, he, he has his London home as well um, I think he's back and forth between the two mostly the dispute with Jimmy Page that we mentioned last episode is also ongoing as well yeah. there's like lots of new stories about Robbie wins this part of legal battle Jimmy wins this part of legal battle it's an ongoing thing that just has too many turns so I didn't bother looking into it really yeah yeah I've got a house in LA it's for DJ Carlin uh, in July 2017 he begins Vloggy Williams <laughs> which is a great name which is a series of YouTube vlogs following Robbie obviously uh, I watched all of these up to the beginning of 2019 which is 59 episodes what the uh, fuck is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I did watch it at two times speed for the record, okay. um, but it was a waste of time anyway. It, it's mainly just like behind the scenes of him on tour, and it's the same thing every night. Like he travels to a new place, he gets ready, he goes on stage, he says, "Wow, that was great." He travels to a new place, he gets ready, goes on stage, that was great. Not even one little gem, nothing. It, it, Not no, really. No. <laughs> it's, it's really, really annoying because like vlogs like that can often be really good. Like uh, yeah, I really admire John's diligence here though, because like, yeah. geez, oh, that is some commitment. Uh, to be fair, he was probably hilarious, but John had it on two times speeds to know what was going on. Yeah, uh, no, there's nothing. It's just like lots of FIFA playing. He does that a lot. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does get kind of a bit more, more interesting when it gets to 2018, when he joins the X Factor, but we'll yep. get to that in a bit. Oh, there is one thing I do want to handle, uh, which is a thing you sent me last night. I'm not sure I remember. Uh, if you could just cover your eyes and ears and nose and mouth. And toes. Yes. And <laughs> shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that at the end, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, I guess it happens in 2017. Uh, okay. I like putting okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it at the end of 2017, okay, which cool. is in a second. Uh, so in November 2017, he releases Under the Radar Volume 2. We'll also talk about it uh, in the next episode. Uh, and in December 2017, he has another Graham Norton appearance to promote it. Uh, I didn't watch much of this one. I don't know how much of it you've seen, but I did see the red chair clip, which I think is the most interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the red chair thing where Graham Norton has a guest on, they sit on the chair and they tell a story and if it's boring or whatever, they pull a lever and yeah. they flip over and you don't hear the end of it. It's classic. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a good film. I always feel bad when they're flipped because I, I want to hear their story either way. Nah, some of them are terrible and need to be flipped. Like, it's, you can tell them so, like, when it's like, I went to the shops once and I saw David Hamilton. No. <laughs> Who's David Hamilton? doesn't exist <laughs> anyways but um so we get a guest on he tells a funny story then the next person comes in the chair it's Ida no. oh I've seen this clip and I can't remember what happens but I have seen this clip <laughs> so Ida sits down and um <laughs> it's quite funny how it goes Graham's like oh hello Ida and Robbie's like oh no and because you know the thing happened where Robbie was like seeing the birth of his child was like watching his favourite pub burn down yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Graham's like Oh, is this going to be your revenge? Yeah. And I was like, it is. And then Robbie says, no, it isn't. And flips her yeah. instantly. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that bit, yeah. It's, 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 it's a good bit. But the funny thing is, the crowd is like a vacuum of booze. Like, it's the most vicious yeah. booze I've ever heard in a Graham yeah, Norton episode. Yeah, yeah. They hate him for doing that. Yeah. But um, later on, Robbie goes on to say that it was Elton John's idea. Elton John was sat next to him and was like, do it. And Robbie's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he did it. But um, I've got an interesting story about this. Uh, on a later episode of Loose Women... Yeah, it was the following week, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Robbie comes on with Ida, and they talk and chat and whatnot, and they show what Ida was actually going to do. So they set up their own little red chair, and we finally found out what she was going to do. And she was going to say, remember that story with Maureen from the castle? Well, I've got Maureen here with me. Come on, Maureen. And then she was going to walk off screen, and she didn't actually have Maureen. Oh, it was just going to okay. scare Robbie. But you can see even in the, in the Loose Women clip, like when Robbie's watching, you see him for a second, like his eyes wide, and like, what oh he does. no! <laughs> <laughs> but that then, would be an incredible bit to actually yeah. get Maureen. But there is like a good like a quip that happens where after it, um, she's like, "Yeah, I'm very good friends with Maureen now," and he's like, "I'm very good friends with Maureen." <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I yeah. feel like Robbie Williams on Loose Women is is a disaster waiting to happen. Well, I was going to say, this allows us to segue into talking about Loose yeah. Women, because at this point, uh, Ida is now, I don't know if, it's, if she's a, just a host or a regular panellist. She's on, she's on she, it a she, lot. She frequently appears on it, yeah. Uh, just like a couple of things that has come up, because she obviously talks about her relationship a lot. Uh, she reveals that Robbie's tried her breast milk. <gasps> I didn't know that one. Yep. Oh. She says that Robbie is very good at sex, which kind of conflicts with something else she says, but we'll get on to that. Uh, she claims that she took him on his first supermarket visit ever. That he just apparently never been to supermarket before, which I doubt because there were 15 years before he joined Take That where he would have had a normal life. Yeah, but... which is... That, that's like the story of like Michael Jackson going to a supermarket for the first time and it being like... He described it as like an adventure park. <laughs> There is also a story where she said that she took a cucumber out of the mm-hmm. fridge and he said, what is that? And she said, it's a cucumber. And he said, oh, I've only ever seen them sliced. <laughs> right. The supermarket one is bullshit. I can see the cucumber one being real. I genuinely can see that Because, like, real. if you're not after a cucumber, you're not going to Google pictures of cucumbers out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, she also reveals that one of the deluxe edition tracks on Heavy Entertainment Show is about Ida. And it was initially supposed to be on the album, but she hated it so much <laughs> that she wouldn't let him put it on the album, even though he wrote it for her. It gives a nice bit of insight into like the behind the scenes of the album, because he said that basically what happened is they'd both just get in a bath, listen to tracks of the album, and be like, hmm, yeah, hmm, no. And if they both agreed, yeah, it would go on, because he wanted it to be like a very concise album. And it's weird to think that the incredibly tight, effective track listening to this album is just the result of them both sitting in a bath. Yeah. Yeah. Like, big ups to Ida for yeah. like, contributing to that. <laughs> Ida should get a production credit. Genuinely. Uh, and then, which I'll let you take, is the faking story. So, um, we have... So, on Loose Women, the hosts are chatting about, you know, the idea of what would you do if your partner faked an orgasm? If Robbie had faked one in this yeah, situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ida says, like, she doesn't think that he has, but as this headline says, <laughs> she reveals she fakes orgasms in raunchy sex chat. So she admits that a couple times she has faked orgasms with Robbie because, as she says, she's a busy woman, she's got kids, I'm a celebrity, he's coming on, and so she just sort of, you know, she can't be bothered to, like, call it a night, so she fakes it. The thing is, though, Robbie was going to appear later on the show, and she's like, I hope he doesn't hear this. He was backstage at the time. Yeah. So he storms on stage, (laughs) and he's like, what's this I hear about you faking the thing? And she's like... he says... You've been faking it with me, pop star Robbie Williams, 18 Brits. <laughs> I love that Brits is a direct measurement of how good you are at sex. <laughs> and then in like a bizarrely heartwarming moment, he gives her like this big hug and a kiss and he's like, oh, don't worry, darling, I love you. Hey, maybe we can practice tonight. Which is like, you're going to practice faking orgasm? <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, so that's a good bit. And then he's asked, like, um, you know, if he's ever faked orgasms. And he's like, I, I wouldn't know how to. Which, like, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I still, like, I still... They're yeah. definitely being cut, but we, yeah, <laughs> we uh, had a large discussion about that the other week. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that is a thing, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> as if that has come up, that is kind of insane if you think about it. <laughs> like, the amount of full circles we've got here, like... Um, but I think that's all the Loose Women stuff, right? Yeah, uh, so there's one more thing in 2017, which so, I'll let you handle um, so what was Ida before she met Robbie, or is she just? She was an actress, but I don't. She wasn't like a big yeah, actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the night of October first, twenty seventeen, Stephen Paddock, a sixty-four-year-old man from Mesquite, Nevada, opened fire upon the crowd attending the Route ninety-one Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip in Nevada. Between ten o five and ten fifteen PDT, he fired more than one thousand rounds of ammunition from the thirty-second floor suites to the Mandalay Bay Hotel. I, re- I remember this happening. This was like a, a big shooting. Right? Yeah, it was the Las Vegas, Vegas shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He killed fifty-nine people, wounding to four hundred and twelve. With the ensuing panic, bringing the injury total to eight hundred and sixty-eight. About an hour later, Paddock was found dead in his room from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. His motive remains officially undetermined. And this led The Sun to publish an article called Hear No Evil, Las Vegas Shooting's Chilling Similarity to Lyrics of Robbie Williams' Hit, Me and My Monkey. (laughs) 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 Robbie inspired a Las Vegas shooting is what you're talking about. It's just the most... uh, in In case anyone isn't familiar with The Sun, when we say, oh, this is from The Sun, Take a Pinch of Salt, you now understand why we say that. What a fucking insane article to write. Just think, someone had to go to three years of journalism school, get hired by the sun just to write that fucking garbage. What is the connection? It's the Mandalay Bay Hotel. It's the same hotel. Basically, it says that... So, it has the line, We made tracks to the Mandalay Bay Hotel. We got the elevator. I hit the 33rd floor. Which is actually pretty crazy. Because as the sun says, he shot from the 32nd floor. (laughs) They're, I don't know if anyone knows this. I don't know if anyone's a mathematician in the room. They are different numbers. They, they aren't the same. <laughs> they are just two numbers in a hotel floor. So he talks about him bringing a gun, which, like, I think there are far more things that are different between the two events than there are similarities. <laughs> Namely because Stephen Maddock wasn't going on holiday with a monkey. <laughs> yeah, also, he shoots at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Not from it? No, he right? does. He shoots, shoots from, from he's in like a hotel room, he shoots down at the crowd below. But um, the quotes it uses are, to justify this are insane. Don't point that gun at anyone. That's a badass monkey, boy, and he's packing a gun. Put your gun down, boy. I'm hoping that monkey don't point that gun at anyone. Which, these lyrics are about a monkey. They're literally about a monkey with a gun. They're, like, they, I just want to read that headline again. Hear no evil. Las Vegas shooting's chilling similarity to lyrics of Robbie Williams' hit, Me and My Monkey. Hit also is a bit stretching it, because it's a seven minute long album track. Yeah, it is, it is the most album track in the world. Like, that is a, <laughs> imagine turning to your like, management and saying, like, I want to release this as a single. Like, you'd be fired from your contracts. Just who on earth came up with that? Do you know what? It's crazy. Like, the hotel thing. Like, there is no newsworthy content in that. Yeah. A chilling similarity is not a story. It's just funny, because there had to have been one person who saw the news and thought, Oh, this would be like me. And <laughs> <laughs> I think the more insane thing is like, like even Robbie Williams fans don't know that me and my monkeys are song that's real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we're the only three people that remember his existence. There's 
it includes like to back up their evidence a, photo, a, a live thing of him performing it actually in Vegas which is pretty weird yeah 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 so he performs the track in Vegas and he gets this kid up on his shoulder from like the audience and he's singing me and my monkey and in quite a tactful thing he kind of realises where the song is going and he hands him back to the crowd before he starts literally singing about monkey prostitutes <laughs> that bit's incredible but yeah that, that story like it's just an incredibly powerful piece of news John said it was the dumbest article that's ever been written <laughs> Uh, so moving on to 2018 now. In April 2018, Big Nasty reveals that Robbie has a weed farm in his LA basement, and he's visited it. It was apparently gifted to Robbie as an anniversary present from Ida. Was it legal at that point? Uh, according to the article, it was. Okay, phew, because if not, <laughs> Big Nasty, come on. <laughs> uh, and then June 2018 is when his World Cup performance happens. Mm. Which I don't know if you have you seen this because obviously you like football. Does he perform at the open or closing ceremony? It's the opening. Twenty eighteen, so- not in Sochi, in Russia. I missed the twenty eighteen opening ceremony, so I haven't seen it. I was uh, at work. Yeah, so his his decision to take the gig is immediately criticised by a lot of people because it's seen as him bowing to to take a dictatorship. Um, Putin is apparently in attendance at the performance. Oh, he's yeah, he's there. Yeah. He's at the open game. I know that. I caught the second half of the game. Yeah, um, and he causes yet another kind of political international incident with this gig because he he closes the set with Rock DJ and he changed the lyrics of the bridge to Pimpin ain't easy, most of them fleece me, I did this for free. And then he does a middle finger to the camera, which on, on a televised thing that's going around the world it's during prime time. It's, yeah, it's not a good thing. So he gets in trouble for that. Uh, the line change, I think, is like in, directly in response to people criticizing him for taking the gig, saying he did this for free, because like a lot of people reported that he sold his soul to Russia when he took the thing. So he's just reiterating that he wasn't actually getting anything out of it. There's, there is no way Robbie Williams can be o- o- like offered the chance to play the opening of the World Cup mm-hmm. and say no. Yeah. He is a massive football fan. Like, that's a huge opportunity. He does. I think it's on this morning. He has a cover story for it. Mm-hmm. He explains why he did it, and it's just it's complete bullshit. Yeah. Like, it's, one, it's the most obvious line he's ever told. <laughs> what is it? He says the gesture was meant to signal a one minute to kick off. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fucking good. Wait, he does it. He like his face says "fuck you" when he does it as well. Like, it's a full on like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Also, it's not one minute to kick off, is it? Like, let's be real. Yeah, they're not going to start the game in one minute, like, within yeah. the first performance. And he says, I was under a lot of pressure because there was one minute left and I didn't know how I was going to do it at half a minute. He, so I just did a one minute countdown. Which, there are, there are like, five fingers on your hands. And a thumb, right? And you, <laughs> it's really yeah, yeah. But, like, it's, it's, it's amazing because, like, oftentimes I'm the one who's trying to defend Robbie from, like, No, he did write it in an hour. You take that back. But no, he is one hundred percent. Clear bullshit. Yeah. yeah, I already found it weird as well when Brian Wilson used the same excuse when he got caught swearing. Because you told me he could never lie. So I, I'm gonna eat you. July 2018, the hundredth. Now that's what I call music. Uh, CD comes out, and it's also announced that Robbie Williams is the most featured artist across the whole series. Damn. He gets like a trophy for it or something. Now that's what I call a trophy. Uh, and that's my best also, job. Yeah. Also in July 2018, he is announced as the new X Factor host alongside Louis Tomlinson and Ida Field. He hosts it? He's the, the one of the judges. Judges, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. But does Ida judge or does Ida host? Ida, Ida judges. judges. Well. Yeah. 
Why? Yeah. Man, the X Factor has gone downhill. This was kind of a thing at the time, like people saying, oh, it's, do you call it nepotism if it's... Yeah, that would yeah, be nepotism. Nepotism. Yeah. Like yeah. saying it's nepotism that he's obviously just got his wife into this. The defence they had for it, which makes sense to a degree, is that Ida has been involved in Robbie's career for close to a decade at that point. Like, she she has been involved in making decisions for what to go on album. She's seen the recording process. She says that she has had experience with it, which justifies her being on it. But as much as that's true, like I think it's fairly obviously... Robbie would have said, if I'm on it, she has to be on it as well. Because I, 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 the thing is, I do actually think that they're kind of right in that saying she does have that amount of experience, mm-hmm. but she would never be picked when Robbie wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%, 100%. So who's the, who's the, is there three judges? No, it's no, Simon as well. Simon's, Simon's still there. Like, I thought he'd gone. So it's Simon, I, I think they Robbie, were, Ida, and Louis Tomlinson. Louis Tomlinson. Yeah. As in from one, one direction. direction. Yeah. I think they were trying to like rebrand it at this point because they had falling viewing figures yeah, to try yeah. and get a more current uh, judging panel in but I don't think it really worked um, it, it ends up being his only season as a judge he doesn't come back to the show I don't think out of like any bad will or anything he still says he's friends with Simon and their kids hang out a lot it's just that um, he gets too busy after this because he has more yeah. albums coming he can't <clears throat> yeah, yeah. do things even for this season he has to miss like three weeks of the live shows because he's touring in South America when it's happening and um, that is kind of a shame because there is a point where his group uh, at the mm-hmm. time, United Vibe, they get kicked out and their mental's not even there to like you know see them out. And that, that is kind of sad. It also strikes me as... I can't see Robbie Williams as being like a mentor. Yeah. It's like you think about it, it's like him sort of fostering them. He, he's always like... Not to say he's like too much of a selfish guy or anything, but it just seems the way that he operates is very selfish. I will say... In- I think if you watch the vlogs from that time, it seems like they do have a really good relationship, mm. him with the groups. Like, he gives them presents and stuff, but he does seem genuinely, genuinely emotional when they get voted out. Um, so, yeah, I think he was a fairly decent mentor to them. Fair. But he doesn't win. I think his, his last act to get his vote voted out in fourth place, I think. That's not bad. Uh, isn't it literally... But, he, but even at this point, it's like... If you win X Factor, it means nothing. Yeah, like the guy who won is it's n- gone. To it's nothing. not because you could have like you could come fourth, but like Simon could have the top. Yeah, three. I got the numbers mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, he, I think Ida came last. I think her final contestant went out before Robbie's did. Ouch. I remember one, that one in because I did see a couple of those episodes when it came out, and one thing I remember happening a lot, which was kind of uh, come on, was that if like a performance was really good, ever like Robbie and Ida would get up and dance with each other, and I did feel a bit oh come on. I've seen clips of that actually thinking about it. It's like I just, just I didn't realize that was his wife. Mm. Yeah, I won't lie. Like that is, it. I agree she has experience, but that is really weird. They went for her. Even you just just know. Like do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so strange. He, uh, I think Robbie is something he's spoken about in the past couple of years. I think he has aspirations of becoming a TV personality of sorts. Like he's spoken about how he'd like to become a talk show host, and yeah. he, he said he he said like even recently in the past few months, I think he has like ideas he wants to try and make happen in America, and there are discussions happening. So I think this was maybe kind of a way of trying to springboard that into happening. And if he gets Ida involved, it could be a couple thing where they are both a part of it. Um, I see that's yeah. weird because I I think Robbie Williams is too interesting on his own to be a TV host yeah, a TV host needs to be an like yeah. you look at old interviews like Dick Cavett is kind of a blank slate but he's good at getting answers out of people I completely agree I was thinking that I, I, I wanted to use the word I think he's too selfish but I don't mean it in a bad way yeah I know what you mean yeah. like he, 
his ego would dominate the room too much. And that's fine because he's a pop star. I, but I've seen that happen. Like I might have, I've got a weird feeling I mentioned in a previous pod, but there was one time where it was like the, one of those late show type things, but the host couldn't do it. So uh, they decided to get Orson Welles in to host. Yeah, you have yeah. spoke about this. And he just essentially just rambles on about how, what he thinks about the artists now. He thinks they're cool and stuff, but he doesn't really let them have a word in edgeways because quite frankly, Orson Welles is full of interesting anecdotes and he yeah. doesn't really, you know, work as an instigator yeah. of questions. You have interviewers and you have interviewees. Yeah. And quite often they are down a different boundary. There's two kinds of people in this world, kid. <laughs> uh, there's some, uh, there is some stuff that happens there, in fact, I don't know if like you... Yeah, are... no, there's the one controversy I have, but... That was pretty much why. Yeah. Uh, so during the audition stage, uh, there's an audition by a trans man, um, and Robbie decides to ask what his dead name is. Which kind of a big no no. Yeah. yeah. It's like so I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like Robbie's like, So Felix, what were you before? Yeah, yeah, Felix. And he's like, So what was your name before you were Felix? And it's just like uh, the guy himself was like, I you know, I didn't really mind, I was like you know, happy to be there and stuff, but it is like the number one thing that you don't it, like next to asking have you got surgery or whatever, it's just like yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. it's not on. But yeah, it's 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 kind of you can tell he that's just genuinely he doesn't realise there's anything bad with that. Yeah, yeah, again. I think a big problem with like, I think there are two very clear like different like types of like trans like I don't know the word like issues but like, you know like bad things that happen. You have the accidental stuff where people are just ignorant and don't mean to be. Where they ask stuff like, oh, what's your dead name? You know, like and they think that's interesting and they want to he, know. He doesn't even use the phrase dead name. He asks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't even realize that it is a thing that is offensive. And then obviously you have the really horrible stuff that. Is a very yeah. different thing. So yeah, like, I don't think it's worth like trying to cancel him or anything. Like it, it was just like he just didn't know any better. I think is yeah. Thing. But it is kind of like a stomach dropping moment when you watch because like yeah, oh, I don't want to it's see very that. unpleasant. It's very unpleasant. Um, I, I mean, I have. I've That's all stuff. I have for X Factor. Yeah. Okay, cool. I have some stuff regarding like the next X Factor. So because I think like this is so long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it really is, but um. This, we could cover this in like a next episode, but I think just because it's just, about yeah. the next season of The X Factor, I think it's best to just cover it here. But so, in the next season of The X Factor, uh, Louis Walsh comes back. Does Ida stay? Oh, no, no, no. So, no. Robbie and Ida are both gone. So, I can't remember who else it is, but it's so Louis's back on it at least. Yeah. And during the show, um, Louis makes a quip about bringing your wife to work. <laughs> I think so. at the time when Ida was announced as well, he made some comments about. Louis oh, is fair. such a twat. Like I didn't realize this, but like I was, I'd seen I, recently on Twitter. I've seen some old X Factor clips. He is such a genuine little asshole. And he like what was it? He like groped Mel B like on camera. Really? Yeah, it's horrible. You can see. Oh him doing no, it. I have seen yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like a, a genuine little, genuinely like needs to fuck off. Like the way he spoke to some people was genuinely horrific. And also, he's not good at what he does. Like the thing that I always remember, like as a kid, is like, oh, Simon's the bad one. Ha 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 ha. But like. All the clips I've seen, Simon's like, no, no, let them sing and let them have their chance, and then I'm going to be horrible. Louis just like bullies people who go into the room, like just straight up, like laughs in people's faces. Look at your face. Yeah, literally, like it's so horrible. But yeah, so Louis the, makes that comment, and obviously Robbie and Ida aren't a big fan of it because they say that, um, you know, like they what was gutting about it was that Louis had been incredibly flattering and gushing to them in private. So to go on TV and be like, you know, bring your wife to work, they thought it was terrible. And Robbie uh, comes up with this amazing needle to Louis, where he describes him as two-faced and incredibly feeble. 
yeah. Yeah, that fits perfectly. That's got him. That is lined up with a snooker cue and just... Yeah, boom. yeah, yeah. That's perfect. And he does this little skit on Instagram where him and Ida are... They're looking up, like, photos and they, they're, like... They're looking at photos of Louis Walsh and they just, like... Is that... Is that Anne Whittacombe? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, yeah. So, they sort of uh, do that. But, um, you know, the whole... That's about it for the X Factor saga. Uh, one more funny thing I'll just mention quickly. For the Halloween episode of the season that Robbie was on, he dresses up as Simon Cowell for, it, like, full makeup. <laughs> That's good great. bit. Yeah. Good bit. Um, I'm just saying anything I... Uh, I remember one thing he talked about was that he wanted this album to have, like, a world-being uptown funk-level hit. Which I I think a couple of years ago if this was released he could have actually done but I think it's just you know kind of too late into the career at this point. Um, I have a last couple of things on the timeline. Sweet. Um, so in September 2018, Robbie and I had to welcome their third child, Colette, via surrogate. I think they've had some issues with trying to do the birth naturally with Ida, so they did it via surrogate. Uh, also in September 2018, Robbie appears in a documentary, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Oh my god. Uh, which is about the most intensive scientific study of a UFO and paranormal hotspot in human history. Uh, as much as I like my, like to waste my time doing dumb shit for the show, I did not watch this documentary. <laughs> uh, I did yeah, brief, briefly, yeah, I briefly clicked through like the one scene that Robbie is in. It seems to be they just like visit a UFO hotspot and discuss paranormal experiences. But it's weird because there's Robbie Williams alongside a bunch of weirdo, like bearded American UFO people. Uh, just... A.K.A. Robbie Williams, eight years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, Robbie in the wilderness period. That's <laughs> uh, pretty much it. Obviously, at the end of 2019, he releases his next album, but before that, in early to mid-2019, he does a residency in Las Vegas, oh, uh, cool. which feels kind of perfect for him, I feel like. Obviously, yeah. he didn't make it in America, but that kind of environment, I think, is something that he just worked really well in. And if you look at footage from it, like he draws a good crowd there. It's people who are like Robbie Williams fans, and he's like, it's it's whatever size his American fan base is, they're all like at the Las Vegas shows. So it's nice. Yeah, to see. yeah, yeah. It's not pretty much That's us. All I'm sure. Yeah, I feel in a lot of ways this is kind of this is being heavy entertainment today. Yeah. yeah, it's been almost like a spiritual successor to Rudebox in like how much on album insanity and post album insanity there is. Yeah, and sort of like an upbeat way as well. Yeah, yeah. like it is sort of an inverse Rudebox. Because I mean, look, I know I like Rudebox a lot, but I completely understand why somebody wouldn't. But this is like good. Like this is like good stuff. It, it's 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 it's, like, it's just such a great boon for this podcast like it's the perfect yeah. kind of thing Rootbox is a good album though like we've been over this yeah like it, it, it just happens that the title track is, is bad. one of the worst things yeah. ever yeah but like the album is good like we, we've spoken about this we're going to do a review episode where we're going to do some lists and like I'm genuinely debating like where do I put Love Light on the list but you know what I mean like it is, it is 100% in my top 10 it's like that's how like that like, like that album is still good yeah Wow, okay, that was, a, that was a long one, but... Next episode, we're going to do quite a unique thing. We're going to be covering three albums in one. Yeah, it's going to be a music-heavy episode, I think, as well. Yeah. Because like, we've covered most of his off-stage off antics, so it's mm. going to be like, let's hear Robbie Williams sing some really dumb shit. Yeah. So, between his albums uh, around this time, between the years, oh, like it was around 2016, 2019, he released three albums called... No, in fact, sorry, 2015... Basically, in the 2010s, Robbie Williams released three albums in the Under the Radar series. Under the Radar Volume 1, 2, and 3. And these were albums of 
sort of not his big mainstream studio album stuff, but him just having a bit more freedom to play around and they'd go online as fans could have them. And we'll, just for the sake of condensing them, we'll cover all three of those in the next episode. So, uh, join us... He has his arse in all the images of the uh, album covers. Yes, there's a lot of arse. It's actually crazy how much. He brought enough arse for the rest of the class. (laughs) 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 If you cut that, I resign from the podcast. It's it's, it's staying in. Okay, so, um, thank you for listening to us. Uh, Check us out. Check them out. Check them out. But yeah, thanks for listening. Um, We'll be around next time covering Under the Radar Volume 1, Under the Radar Volume 2, and Under the Radar Volume 3. I've been Matthew. I've been Jonathan. And I've been Nathan. See you next time, down the Robbie Hole.